Hey, folks, uh, today's show starts with an unexpected turn as we bid a heartfelt farewell to a true legend of the game. Just hours ago, news broke that Nick Saban, the iconic head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide and seven-time national champion, is stepping down. His 28 seasons as head coach have earned him the title of the fifth all-time winningest head football coach, but his impact goes far beyond the numbers. Now, Coach Saban's legacy is more than just championships and victories behind the tough exterior an authoritative demeanor and antics was a mentor who shaped the lives of countless young men. As we reflect on his relentless pursuit of excellence and commitment to the game, it's clear that Saban's influence extended far beyond the gridiron, reaching into the hearts and minds of those he coached. So as we say goodbye to this coaching giant, let's just not remember him as coach, uh, but as the head coach, a paragon of dedication, strategy, and leadership. The term GOAT is going to be used a lot today uh, by all kinds of talking heads, and it may seem cl cliche, but in Saban's case, it's a fitting tribute to a, a man who's left an indelible mark on the sport. As we look ahead to the next chapter in Coach Saban's life, uh, him, Miss Terry, the entire Saban family, he'll undoubtedly make impact in whatever he decides to do, even if it's just spend time with his family. Thank you, Coach Saban. Uh, I, I, Eric is here with me too. We just didn't want to like not mention this because it's such huge news two hours before we went on the air. And I know it's going to be the topic on everyone's minds tomorrow. We do have a lot of like really, really kind of pointed stuff to get into with our Michigan National <laughs> Championship. Boy, but, do we. <laughs> but before we get into that, Eric, your thoughts, you're you obviously Notre Dame fan. You, your team is faced off against Saban, uh, seen him as both foe and then I think friend as as a as a talking head yourself as as you as you've been on the show. Kind of give me some of your thoughts on Saban. And again, I got a chance to write mine out and Eric, I just threw this on him at the last second. So <laughs> no, no worries. Let's show my salt as a, a co-host if I can keep up with you. Um yeah, I mean just thank God that he's gonna be going <laughs> away. I mean I guess just because it means one less uh season uh, potentially that we're going to have another championship won by Saban because that got to be kind of just like old hat constantly happening. So I'm glad that that won't be happening, but also like all those things that you said, I mean, obviously such a huge impact on the sport that we love and talk about weekly. So, I mean, to not have him as part of the sport is going to feel weird and, and kind of off putting. And where does the program uh, go from him? Like how, it definitely sucks to be the next guy after Saban because you're always going to be living in a shadow. Well, I mean, every single coach that ever coaches that institution from here until the end of time is always going to have to live up to Saban. Like who else is going to be able to, you know, win six national championships? Hopefully nobody. So, oh, yeah, uh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of uh, big time names uh like both uh, coaches that are at our respective programs are uh, potentially on the short list as uh, replacements uh, i saw lanning's oh, no. name no. lanning's name was like number no. one for who they're going to be going after and, and freeman was was on the list last i think they you know they they probably want someone with a, a little bit more uh head coaching experience but i mean maybe not if they're going after landing as well so i i don't know where they go from here but uh Saban, I mean, think about all the time that he has to watch foreign films now with Miss Terry. <laughs> so good for him. You know, the one thing I think that we lost about Saban tomorrow when this when this news kind of hits all across the world, because it's so late in the day in the West Coast when this news broke, is that I think the one thing that's going to be lost, uh, maybe I'll be the and I'm going to be the first talking head to bring this up is 
is going to be the uh, the fact that Saban is what seventy something years old. But this is a guy who never. When you see most of these coaches who reach this age, uh, Joe Pa, Bowden, the game clearly had passed them by uh, near the end. Even when they had to leave in disgrace or uh, in situations like that. In Saban's case, for the most part, as far as we know, it at this date and time, when the the day he retired, pretty much ran a clean program. Um, there were the antics, you know, the, the, the winners get, uh, winners get steak, losers get Franks and beans. I mean, there were <laughs> all those type of things, but there was never a guy, I think, who was more dedicated to his players or more protective of, of them. And I think that's something to be, that's probably lost. And in a, in a season where, gosh, it just seems like, I know I joked at the, uh, in the, the first part of the season, I joked like, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. And <laughs> I kind of said it glibly. And now that that same kind of thing rolls over in my mind as we wrap up this last, last season, as we put a very final bow on it, and we go into next year with so much uncertainty and so much change. It's, it's almost kind of just another thing to add onto the fire that, that Saban's going to be exceeding. And now we have even more chaos reigns, but to say, well, it's credit, something to be said, like for him going out on top. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, he hasn't won a natty in a couple of seasons now, but he did still make the playoffs and he was still, you know, he, he took the eventual national champions to overtime and it was just like a really <laughs> shitty call that who knows how much involvement he had in, in that play, that final play call. But, you know, there's again, just something to be said for going out at the top of your game and not kind of being, you know, who's the analogy that you always use, like Willie Mays, like falling down in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yep. there's so, um, yeah, like, can you imagine if they went like seven and six uh, some season yeah. or something and you'd be like, all right, I'm retired because clearly I can't hack it anymore. Like, to, have uh, another playoff run. I mean, unfortunately for him, it didn't, you know, culminate in another national championship. But I mean, I, unfortunately for all of us, I guess, because that, that would have been more palatable <laughs> than, than what we got. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's one of the greats in one of the, the greats, one of the classy greats uh, in just one of the the all timers has gone on. And in the one thing I wanted to say about the last thing I wanted to say about him was Saban was even at that age, he was always progressive in his coaching strategy. This was a guy who was never married to one ideal always adapted with the times changed with NIL changed with coaching at some point in the future, someone's going to want to change the narrative or, or be like, Oh, he left because of NIL. This is a guy who completely changed with the times. He could have coached another four or five years, six years in, until he passed away almost like bear Bryant. And he would have had the credit to do that. And I think he would have been just as good. Um, but to leave now while there's still time with his family, I think is way more important. We always say on the show, football, we love it, but it is a game. There are more important things in football. So for Saban, this gift of time with his family, just a wonderful thing. We wish him all the best. And so now that we've we've done the right thing, well, now that we, we, we've had a heartfelt goodbye, now let's get into our normal our normal fun. And yeah. it, let's start uh, ripping on Harbaugh because Harbaugh yeah. says if, if you're not coaching football, you die. So I guess Saban RIP. Uh, so. yeah. yeah. Sorry, Saban. <laughs> Sorry, Santa. Your friend Nick Saban is dead. Here's a, yeah, let's get to our opening sound. And it does not disappoint. You mentioned his name and I feel like we'll mention his name a lot here today. Let's start off with our opening sound. For me personally, I can now sit at the big person's table in the family. They won't keep me over there in the, on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a national championship, and my brother won a Super Bowl. So uh, it's good to be at the big person table from now on. 
for me. Today's episode is brought to you by Shib Inu. Shib. Shib Inu token is the most exciting cryptocurrency in the world. Way back in 2021, Shib Inu became the most popular crypto, surpassing both Dogecoin and Bitcoin on CoinMarketCap. You can buy Shib on all the most popular coin exchanges. My favorite place to buy it is Coinbase, but the best place to find more information is by following at Shib Token on Twitter. There you'll find links to the Discord, the subreddit, Telegram, everywhere else to find more information about investing in Shib Inu. Diamond paws, Shib to the moon. All right, let's start the show. And welcome back to the Evil Mark yes, Show. Yes, my sentiments exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> my name is Mark Hammond, and I'm happy to be the Mark in the Evil Mark Show, broadcaster, uber sports nerd, ready to take you on your sports talk journey. Some people call me Pinguino Supremo, but today I will be your Svengali while we dive into the funny, odd, weird, and interesting stories from the world of college football. And we have officially entered the darkest timeline as the Michigan Wolverines are our college football national champion. No! Oh, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Bro, I'm straight up not having a good time. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> I'd like to welcome my co-host and co-conspirator, Eric, host of the File Under Entertainment podcast, and Golden Domer, who is mad as hell and isn't going to take it anymore. Eric, yes. how are you doing today? Yeah, oh boy, yeah, just get ready. I think both of us are going to be going uh, both barrels, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fiery. I've I've had it with yeah. all the the Harbaugh Love Fest. Yeah, the, the Harbaugh Love Fest and the Michigan Love Fest and the fact that that the only people who are talking about asterisks are uh, just no one. Like, the only, this is just being spoke about in, in deep pockets of the web and um before I get into this, because I feel like I'm going to trash them both today and tomorrow. Like the reason why do, why we're going to talk about this, and and I think me and, and Eric are pretty much in agreement with this with this idea of an asterisk, and the reason that we have not heard any other talking head take this approach is, and I, I'll read exactly what I wrote to Eric. I said, McAfee, uh, or uh, yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Pat McAfee. Yeah, Pat McAfee, ESPN shill. And Barstool is run by Portnoy, who's famously a Michigan man. No one in ESPN is going to see anything. No one's going to step up and, and put the asterisk on them. So, but between the burgers, sign stealing, the shimmies, the racism, the the, the hacking scandal, uh, I, I think it was only fair that that they get some criticism. So, I, I wanted this to be the first show that has a uh, even if it's a some small, uh, you know, powerful. Uh, uh, appreciative following uh I, we're going to be the ones to do it and i'm sorry maze man but i'm putting an asterisk on this national championship right are, are, are we in 100 agreement on that this will probably yeah, I, be vacated anyway <laughs> i exactly that's my hope is that eventually this will be stripped entirely and there will not even need to be an asterisk but yeah for the time being while it stands definitely put that asterisk on there. so we have a huge show today we're we're breaking down the entire national championship we're chasing what happens next, and we look back at the two teams, what we were impressed with, and the moments that we thought defined the 2023 season. And we set the table for net, next week's landmark third annual Shibbies presented by Shibby Inu Token. So if you're not familiar with the Shibbies, if this is your first season in, or if this is your second season in, you forgot about this, next week will be the Shibbies. It will be our college football award show. It will be presented in, just like the Golden Globes, I hope I do a better job than Joe Coy. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'll have better jokes. Like Barbie is is a plastic doll with big boobies. I don't know. I don't know if I have that kind of material, Eric. I, I might need to rely on. I, I might need I to think, rely on some outside writer. You've already got a leg up. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joe Coy, great, wonderful hack. I don't know if I have the material to match it, but I will be your host, and Eric will be our. You will be the co-host as we walk you through our college football award show. We always have fun. This is the third time we've got to do it. Uh, it's it's half radio teleplay, half college football championship. Just a lot of fun. And I think it's always one that people always enjoy. So please join us next week for the third annual Shibis presented by Shibi Inu Token. And again, Shibi Inu is wonderful. They always look forward to this. Uh, I talked to them today and they were like, we can't wait for it. We wonder what you guys have. And I'm like, oh, okay, no pressure. No. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh no, no. They're paying like, attention now. Shit. I'm like, I haven't even started researching. I was supposed to today. So I, we have to, I have to get on it here. Not only just to write my jokes, I have to, to go dig through the records here, but make sure you guys are checking in uh, next week for the third annual Shibby, uh, Shibby's presented by Shibby New Token. But enough rambling for me. Let's get right into our rundown. What the hell is a rundown? The rundown. This is your rundown for Thursday, January 11th, 2024, episode number 201. Make sure you're following us on Twitter slash X at E-B-L-M-R-K and look for hashtag EMS 201 to see special links, tweets, pictures, or stories we talk about in today's episode. Also, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on TikTok for additional Mark-related content on TikTok and Instagram at AskEvilMark. All right, so we knew whoever walked away with the national title was not going to be celebrated on this show. So, but it's a really heavy heart that I inform you. We have now entered the darkest timeline. We've cast off our sec overlords only to be dominated by milk swilling upper Midwest arrogant cheaters. We give you our thoughts on the national title game, how it was won. And if there could be a repeat repeat in 2024 also, as we wrap up the college football year, we set the stage for the third annual Shibis presented by Shiba Inu Token because we have so much fun next week. We will tie up the loose ends in a serious manner for a series we can get on uh, on some look ahead to next year. And we'll break down our favorite moments for to 2024. Also, we have America's favorite cat-based podcast trivia game, What's Strictly Watching, presented by Chewy.com. Uh, we are out of the Christmas movie era, and we are back to the business as usual in the new year. Also, it's Thursday. You know what that means? We're going to be handing out some taco awards, the tastiest awards and all the sports talk. But first, before we jump into Thursday, we got some shout outs for our listeners and supporters. I just hate them because they they <laughs> they low down. They dirty. They some snitches. I got to take out the we hate. I hate them. Part of this. That's the part that's so grating. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it's, it's just it's so funny i think you should leave it just for the irony factor because it's just like we have shout outs for our listeners and supporters i just hate them <laughs> like immediately <laughs> i just hate them <laughs> so before we dive into today's show i want to thank all our listeners and watchers of our content we encourage everyone to look inside today's episode description to find the links to all our social media pages where to get your evil mark show t-shirt links to our sponsors and the evil mark show discord has special link there for you as well and also you can contact us anytime by emailing the show at show at evilmark.com. These uh, supporters email in every week. Uh, they support the show. We thank them for the continued support. I want to give them a shout out right now. SEC Super User, Mizzou Man, Hornsdown69, Jenna P, Abdel, Duckman, Christian Norcal, Maze Man, Jennifer Inskinectony, and James Harden's exquisite beard, who, by the way, has has piping hot tea about the actual man james harden you you, you definitely want to stick with us in the offseason i have news about james harden with other nba players wives i'm gonna leave it at that 
Oh, Believe shit, I can't wait. Well, I oh, hope you remember this because yes, no, I, yes. I'm still waiting for the John Morant take, and now we got a James Harden take. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, as much as I love college football, I'm with you. It's like it's my favorite sport. I am kind of looking forward. Oh, I, of course, you know, the shibbies is always a hell of a blast to do, but I am looking forward to uh, the offseason and getting to talk all sports again. It's kind of yeah, cool. it's, it'll be a lot of fun. And then, yeah, uh, James, Hard, uh, James Harden's exquisite beard great listener and he's also uh scouring tiktok and instagram and looking at other people's feeds he's following the wives and girlfriends of nba players extra <laughs> dirt for us so to see if harden shows up in them or something They're like oh i can't wait <laughs> yeah, i can't it's, wait <laughs> it's unbelievable it's unbelievable hide your wives hide your daughters because james harden's out here fucking everybody i'll leave it at that <laughs> also you v a dog who is a notorious uh, Notre Dame hater, but he's avoided the fate of being renamed Golden Dome Doug. He, he's, this is what he's agreed to me. He, he agreed to listen to both the college football show and the NFL show. He doesn't usually listen to the NFL show. He doesn't like Jared. <laughs> to listen to every single week. So, I know I, he clearly like doesn't that. like he doesn't like me either. So like I, he just likes you. I mean, come on, <laughs> let's be real. But he tolerates me, I suppose. I, I guess that's that's I, I a like up. But he doesn't like you. Like <laughs> Sometimes I get some emails like "You're wrong. You're way wrong." <laughs> so, but. He did agree that he's going to listen to both shows every single week on two separate plas- platforms. So that will count as four listens. And I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. You can retain the name UVA Doug guys. You got to take it easy on Notre Dame. He's, he's going to listen twice. He's, he's going to listen, listen both twice. episodes twice. Wow. Yes. Like <laughs> on Apple and on Spotify. And I was like, okay, that'll be four listens. My guy, person. I'm incredibly honored and we could definitely uh, use the listens, but there are other shows out there, my man. Like you can listen to just, you can listen to them once each. Like you don't have to listen double down, but Hey, I guess whatever it takes to keep your moniker. Right. And he was, he was also very pleased with my Mark, man, <laughs> which I don't know where I can do that at, where anybody would get that at maybe at like a, I don't know, like an air America reunion, I guess. <laughs> but he was also appreciative of, of my Marin impression. Uh, but we appreciate all our listeners, all our supporters. And we're here to fuck shit up. Also, every Thursday, Eric joins us. He's the host of the wonderful podcast, File Under Entertainment. What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You know, A, B, C, D. The only podcast Nick Cage himself personally listens to. You're Nick fucking. Eric, tell us a little bit about the show, where it is and what it's about. Oh, man, that one really threw me. Uh, Yes, uh, File Under Entertainment is available on all platforms and uh, (laughs) a full season of movies, a full season of music. And now we're going to be going back to movies. We're going to start out with a March Madness style movie madness tournament, similar to what we did with the musical artist from season two. So every movie that was featured in season one is going to be put into a bracket and all of the panelists are going to be talking about it. So yeah, that's myself, uh, Mark, obviously Jared, uh, Jake and David and uh, Megan is going to be on there. We're going into the studio tomorrow to record this. This is going to be really, really amazing. 
Um, when will this one air? This will be the the movie. Uh, first of all, I love a bracket. Anything you put in brackets, I love. I like favorite <laughs> condiment brackets. I, usually, you got to wait till March to get these. Like, no, no, pizza is better than chicken wings. <laughs> like, I love a good bracket. But when does this? We're going to record tomorrow or yeah. Friday, right? Friday. Okay, Friday for a, release a nice on Tuesday. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And I, it, I have not looked at the stats. Is is Christmas with the Cranks going the way of a of a Mountain <laughs> West first the, year? That uh, poll is closed. The listeners voted on that one, and Christmas with the Cranks did not win. Ah, so it's a shame. Such a great. Such a great regular season <laughs> to, to peter out in these expansion games. I, I'm telling you, they're like the SMU of the movie of the the movie challenge. But this will be a really fun one. There's a lot of really interesting movies from season one. Are they you gonna did. It was uh, it was sixty forty. So wow. two days in the valley uh, beat it out to Christmas with the Cranks. So unfair. Unfair. <laughs> uh, I I knew after I voted, I think I was the first one to vote. I I was really tempted to be the first one to comment, like stop the count. But I, didn't, I was like, no, my like I don't want to like I don't want to reinforce any bad things here. But yeah, just I I it's it's a shame. Tim Allen once again robbed of 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 recognition and uh, accolades and uh, but at least he has his freedom. I mean, was in prison. Now he's out of prison, but he doesn't get his accolades. But for Christmas with the cranks, but the, there's always this upcoming year that there could be a Tim Allen movie that makes its way in the works, right? Kelsey Grammer could possibly yeah. be in the mix. I mean, <laughs> anything is possible. And, and this is season three. This will be season three of file and entertainment. Correct. Yeah. So really looking forward to recording this one, guys, we always have a ton of fun uh, on our side. I know you guys have enjoyed listening to it. If you have not listened to it, you got to go check out File and Entertainment. The music uh, uh, series is awesome. You have me, Jared, uh, all of us with Jake and David from uh, Let's Play Death Ray. Um, our own musical journeys, each individual one there. There's special celebrity episodes. Uh, just all kinds of really good fun in File Entertainment. So if you have not been able to catch up, please go back and check out a couple episodes and get ready. For the new season that drops this Tuesday, make sure you're checking it out. Make sure you're on top of it and make sure you're there. We're going to be promoting it on our Twitter, but please give it a listen. Uh, we do not ask you for cash. I am once again asking for your financial support. No, Bernie, you have to stop asking people for money. We don't ask you for money. We just ask that you give a listen, check it out, check out an episode or two, and then be prepared to join us Tuesday for the what's going to be the name of it is the movie uh, movie madness challenge or movie madness yeah movie madness tournament excellent excellent and then if what i would listen to just to get in the mood for it would be i would go back and listen to our music madness tournament which is a lot of fun which has (laughs) tons of surprises just like the real ncaa tournament you're you're gonna be shocked at the end i Uh, think we're gonna be shocked at the uh some of the movies as well i i think that some of the higher seeds quote unquote will last a little bit longer in the movie tournament than they did in the music tournament. But I still think that there's going to be some shocking upsets and I wouldn't be surprised if a, a mid tier uh, seed ends up walking away with the whole thing. So. Oh man, this is going to be good. So make sure you're there on Tuesday. Also, they say I had a Twitter site. If you're not already, make sure you're following this show on Twitter. We are at EVLMRK. That's EVLMRK. Uh, best comments, 
memes, retweets, and you can also look for hashtag EMS201 to see special links, tweets, pictures, or stories we talk about in today's episode. So if you're we go through our tacos and you're like, hey, I want to read more about that, we have the article linked right there. Look for hashtag EMS201, but you have to be following us on Twitter, E-V-L-M-R-K. You can also DM me there. I will respond. Come check out your boy, Pinguino, on the Twitter. They say I had a Twitter site. I'm sorry, I had to cough. That's why I had to play that again. Let's start today with America's favorite cat-based podcast trivia game to test your knowledge of cinema's greatest movies, TV's favorite sitcoms, and I don't know, videos from video games. Let's play a little What's Wrigley Watching presented by Chewy.com. And of course, shout out Old Dominion, not only the band for providing the Meow Mix version of the sweetest thing, but also Old Dominion, the trucking company, and Old Dominion, the university. All three Old Dominion's uh, MVPs in my book, but definitely Old Dominion, the band, the country band. Wonderful, wonderful. They make other music that's not just meowing as well, like regular country songs. <laughs> Appreciate them. And uh, thank you for letting us use the song, or thank you for not filing a, a DMCA complaint. <laughs> right. Thank you for that. Peace and desist. Now, last week, Mainly because no one else could get the exact name right. Last week, our winner was a longtime winner, a, a what's really watching a super champion. She's like the uh, uh, the Ken Jennings. She's the Nick of, Saban. Uh, I think. She is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Ken, Ken Jennings is a nerd. She's like the Nick Saban <laughs> of what's really watching. She had the correct answer. Is the correct answer was. The search for Santa Paws. A lot of you guys said Santa Paws. A lot of people said Airbud Christmas. None of those were right. Only Jennifer had the correct title, The Search for Santa Paws. And of course, I think <laughs> I'm the only one in, in anywhere involved with the show who actually seen the whole movie of <laughs> The Search for Santa Paws. But and Jennifer, you own it. Yeah, <laughs> I own it. Yes, I own The Search for Santa Paws. And uh. I saw it. it I saw it. One and a half times this holiday. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, uh, so Jennifer said, "Well, I said, well, if you you can be the you can be the winner. You know, you, you were supposed to be disqualified from this, but you have to pick the clip, or I'm just going to leave this opener. There will be no what's really watching champion. So she did watch the movie. I think she got about forty. No, let's. She told me it was like. Let me find the email. She got thirty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I commend her for getting that far. Like, I mean, we've kind of joked about potentially doing a, an Airbud kind of, uh, what, anthology kind of thing, I, I guess, talking about all of them. And this would technically fit into that mm-hmm. that theme, right? So, I mean, I, I might eventually have to watch this thing. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I don't know how I feel about that. So Wait, but, wait till I play you this clip that she picked out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a clip where Santa Paws shows up to the orphanage and he starts to talk to the children, but only, but in, in there, in, there isn't like a gas leak, but only certain children can hear Santa Paws. <laughs> so here is the search for Santa Paws. Here is when Santa Paws speaks for the first time to the children. Where'd he come from? I'm Santa Claus's best friend from the North Pole. He just talked. <laughs> Tell me you guys are imagining things too. Only kids that truly believe in Christmas spirit can hear me talk. Hold on, let's pa- let, let's, 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 let's pause right there. <laughs> if you imagine you were in a fugue state, right? <laughs> and in your own dogs, Ghost and Blue started talking to you. And 
and, you, and your your wife couldn't hear, and she and, and they were barking, and she was like, "Hey, calm down." You're like, "No, no, no, they're talking. Can't you hear that?" And then goes just like, "Only people with the true Christmas spirit can hear me talk." Would you be compelled to maybe sing a song? hear him are your ears working properly he's talking right to you you gotta believe we'll just listen whenever i hear a christmas song i want to get up and sing wherever there's love i sing along and find some bells to ring (laughs) north by northwest and i'll tell you that wherever there's angels up above wherever there's christmas trees now the one child who cannot hear Santa Claus is looking at all the kids like they're his guests. <laughs> Very concerned. I mean, that's the appropriate response, to be honest. It, okay, so you said that you watched this one and a half times through mm. this this Christmas season. Willingly, I assume. Oh, you will you willingly mm. watch this? One time. One, one complete time and then another half. The the half time I was sober. The the first time I was not sober. It was pretty, okay. pretty ripped. <laughs> and, and I was really feeling I was like I, I it was a double feature that day. It was is a search for Santa Paws and Prancer. And then <laughs> I I remember thinking like I was like I was like, search for Santa Paws is so much better than Prancer is like bullshit, man. I'm like, Prancer is like the back to the future too compared to search for Santa Paws. <laughs> wow. And it does become more unhinged when he passes away and he's reborn in the spirit of Christmas. It gets, it gets even. There's so much weird Christy stuff. Stuff. To yeah, I, I was just thinking, Jesus dog. Like, did, did did he roll away the stone? Like, was it three days or like what? <laughs> he he rolled away the chewy dot com box and then he he rose from the tomb. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Chewy. No, we love you. Please, please. <laughs> no one report that to Chewy. But uh, yeah, it, you can check out this yourself. Maybe uh, if you have Disney Plus, then you could definitely watch this. It's the Search for Santa Paws. It's a 2010 movie. Jennifer Inskinectony was the one who who found the name. Super Googler, by the way. And then she was forced to watch the movie up until this point. So congratulations to her. Boy, oh boy. She, she did take the uh, the XL shirt. And she wanted the other shirt to go. Whoever who whoever responds to me first in this response. So if you want a XXL Evil Mark show T-shirt, email the show at show at evilmark.com right now. First name in. You don't have to give us an answer for what's really watching. Just say, hey, I want the shirt first. You will be the one to receive it. Make sure you include your address. Please be in the United States because I am not going to pay for foreign shipping. And I don't want a foreigner to have my shirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is pretty expensive to ship it out of the country. So please... <laughs> If you're in the if, if you're in the continuous lower 48 states, please, and you want an XXL shirt, don't have any other sizes, Jennifer's Connected he wants to gift you this shirt. Email right now. Uh, Timestamp. That's how we'll decide. And I think Wrigley, no longer in the Christmas movie mood, but has been watching even more TV and cinema set us up for this week, Eric. He has indeed. This is at this least is a, a good one. This is this a is a better one. one. Yeah, this is a much better one. That's for sure. Yeah, Wrigley's always wanting to be a part of the show, which is why he's lent his paw of approval to our tacos. He's got quite a few of them, I think, uh, on deck for Taco Thursday a little bit later on. He's spoiled. He has his own room with his own TV and DVR, which he's been using to watch uh, cinema to try to contribute to the show, which is awesome. But unfortunately, since he's a cat, he's not the best at communication. 
So he's been using the dog's communication buttons to tell us about this old piece of cinema he was watching. Maybe you, dear listener, can be like Jennifer in Schenectady and help Mark and I piece together what's Wrigley watching. Your clues for this week are Vacation in Beirut, (laughs) USC alumni partner, Villain Loves Rich Corinthian Leather, AL Game at Dodger Stadium, Boys in Blue Save the Queen, and Blue is the Alpha, and she was getting a little testy with Wrigley that her and Ghost should be a part of this thing, so they've collectively agreed that the sixth clue would be a combined effort, which we're calling Blue's Clues slash Ghost Gift. Last week, it was Wrigley Thinks All Dogs, but Ghost in Blue should be on Santa's naughty list. <laughs> the film, The Search for Santa Claus, features three stray dogs, Haggis, a Scottish terrier, Rasta, a reggae pulley, and... Which is t- way overly racist, by the way. <laughs> and T-Money, a hit, a hip-hop bulldog. And yes, this is all true. This I'm not making this shit up. They're all dogs who befriend and then try to help Paws in an effort to get off of Santa's naughty list. And for this week, the Blue's Clues ghost gift is this. Goodyear? No, the worst. So once again, from the top, we have Vacation in Beirut, USC alumni partner, Villain Loves Rich Corinthian Leather, AL game, like American League game, at Dodger Stadium, Boys in Blue Save the Queen, and Goodyear? No, the worst. If you want your pet to be spoiled like Wrigley, Ghost, Blue, Havana, and Jared's Stinky Birds, you can find the best stuff to give them their best life at Chewy.com. As a Chewy affiliate, we earn commission for qualifying purchases. You can find the link in the show notes and get started treating your pets like superstars. I just placed a Chewy order earlier this week, uh, I believe on Tuesday, and today I received both of them. So, uh, I No, I'm sorry. I, w- I ordered it on Monday, and I got it today on wednesday so wow that's still pretty quick i just i just got a box uh over the weekend and uh came in just in the nick of time i was late with my order and thankfully 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 i live in a a part of uh phoenix that is uh, very near to a chewy warehouse which is which was a godsend but uh one day later i uh, got my package uh, with food i needed saved me a trip to the store which is wonderful. Chewy.com. Make sure you're using it. Make sure you go into the show description. So if you're listening to this podcast, you can go check out the show description. So show description is jam-packed with jokes, uh, funny things, and it also has the link to Chewy.com. Uh, so please use that link when you go shopping. Even if you're already at Chewy.com, uh, you already have an account, use that link. Uh, help support us. Uh, and make sure you're sending your answers to show at evilmark.com. And once again, it's show at evilmark.com. This one I think is going to be an easy one. So make sure we're going to be going by timestamp. I need to know the full name of the movie. That's going to be the trick here. The full name of the movie. Can't be just the part. Can't be what everyone mm-hmm. knows. I need the full name of the movie. Um, and, then, and then make sure you pick your favorite scene. If you don't pick a scene, no worries on this one. There's I'll lots to choose from. <laughs> yeah, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> I have a couple in mind. I might overwrite you. That, that might be the executive decision, but please include your <laughs> choice of which scene you'd like to hear. And then uh, we'll be announcing the winners on X uh, slash Twitter. And then we'll be talking about the winner next week on the show. Um, So uh, the whole team, including Wrigley and the dogs wish you the best of luck. So 
big day, episode number 201. But bro, it's Thursday. You know what that means. It's time to hand out some tacos. Better days, better, better, <laughs> way better days. Uh, Taco Thursday is our version of a weekly award show where we reward the best places, people, things with the best award. Anyone can receive a taco. Eric, I'd appreciate if you guys kicked us off this week. Who is your first taco for? Uh, fitting that you just played that clip because I think we're going to be getting uh, a lot of this, uh, not only in our tacos, but certainly uh, in the breakdown. But yes, my first taco. Naturally, longtime listeners of the show will know how I feel right now disgusted, despondent, depressed, even other emotions that don't start with D. And Which, by the way, D is something that UW could have particularly used in the <laughs> first and fourth quarters of that national championship game. I was watching that game, knowing the outcome was certainly a possibility, but hoping against hope at a different result. And I started to get that pit of the stomach despair at the eventuality of the reality. It was a strange yet familiar feeling that once I focused in on was easy to pinpoint. It's the same feeling I get when going into a recording of File Under with Jared where his musical tastes and quickly upcoming where his movie tastes will be prominently featured. He's a man with poor opinions and tastes is what I'm <laughs> thinking, what I'm getting at. But I didn't really know how much his shit taste equated with another wacko until I came across the story, which reveals that Jim Harbaugh ce- uh, celebrated the national championship win as well as every other win for the past several seasons, apparently by singing for he's a jolly good fellow, which is in honor of the recipient of the game ball. And in this case, it was for the whole team and because of his ego, no doubt for himself as well. So in an award that I'm calling for, he's a jackass like Jared taco. We're also treated to an insight as to Malkman's other musical tastes, which have been described in flattering terms by his players, such as, quote-unquote, interesting, (laughs) quote-unquote, significant, and, quote-unquote, weird. Uh, Highlighted as a favorite receiving significant playtime is a show tune from the musical Wicked called Defying Gravity. Also, Another real rocking anthem that always gets those college-age kids fired up is a song that was out before their parents were probably even born. It's Gordon Lightfoot's 1976 song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, (laughs) always popular with the kids. It's said that he also incorporates opera as well as some modern rock and rap into the mix, which, to be fair, is definitely more diverse than Jared. But I could see Harbaugh sharing a nod with that bird brain Jared over the selection of the Odyssey, that 22 fucking minute song or 26 minutes, whatever it was. And then joining together to thump to some Freddie Gibbs looking around because you know that they both want to sing that N word. As has been the case with a lot of my recent tacos, I can't bring myself to actually award them to the write-ups recipient. After all, he's already gotten far too much ill-gotten gains, including a seven-figure bonus for the recent results, so I won't be adding EMS tacos to the mix. Instead, those tacos will be bestowed to all of us non-cheating fuck fans as comfort food to sustain us through this long off-season having to hear about the skunk bear success The positive for most fans is that, especially if Harbaugh bolts to the NFL and it's not a local team for them, they won't have to really hear that much about him anymore. Me, I still have to put up with Jared's shit taste every other week (laughs) for a whole podcast season. (laughs) It's the his music. Oh, yeah, there's a couple of stuff. Let me see if I got the the Jolly Goodfellow one. Let me let me see if this is ad block has been updated. So let's see if it'll play it.
one, two, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. Oh my God, what? <laughs> I think I want the Santa Paw song again. <laughs> right? God, he is bizarre. I mean, it never ends with that guy, does it? Let me see the other one, the other clip that we have here on this one. Uh, this would be the uh, the taste in music. I ain't gonna lie, Coach got an interesting taste in music. We, we just played that song for Wicked the other day in the walk. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it's called. So he he loves musical songs. So, uh, Define Gravity is then his. his- wait, wait, look, wait, hold on here. Like, let me just make sure that everything's tracking. Okay. Eric, correct, correct me if I'm wrong here. So, married man. Yes. Super Jesus-y. Yes. Likes show tunes. Yes. <laughs> Loves a nice hearty glass of milk. <laughs> he does. Talks more about outdoor activities than he's ever mentioned his wife. <laughs> yep. Hmm. <laughs> his new favorite song. Coach Harbaugh taste of music. Uh, it's actually very like significant. He got a lot of weird songs, but they be all having meetings and stuff. The record of Edmund Fitzgerald, that's his favorite. Old music, opera, rock music, rap music, like put on day of the week, it'd be something new. Playtime over the big leagues. I don't know what song that is, but I think it's about Yo Gotti or something. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, cause Harbaugh got crazy in the off streets sometimes. Yeah, he. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's why I, I have a taco. Your I have, our final taco is like I was like uh, when 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 we get to this final taco, I was like it makes perfect sense. Like of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. Like well, only a guy like this would have a quarterback like that. It's, it's just right? perfectly, perfectly, perfectly weird. Yeah, that's just. Gosh, the I don't know which one's more offensive. The the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, I, I guess. The Young Gotti song, I'm definitely going to rank number one. If this was a file under entertainment, I'm definitely going. And this was season two. I definitely ranked the the Fitzgerald. I'd go one. The Young Gotti number two. Gosh, the uh, I, I can't get down with Wicked. Wicked is just terrible. I can't. I can't. Can't deal with it. And I, I'm a guy who likes show tunes. I'm another guy, weird Christiany guy. Mostly involved with the women. (laughs) Wait a minute. You know what? That's a lot of outdoor activities. Yeah, that's true. Hey, you're reading. You know what? (laughs) I'm going to shut up now and get to my talk. Has anyone ever seen your best friend? I'm just saying, like, you have to refer to her as your best friend. I have pictures. I have pictures. (laughs) They've been highly photoshopped. The Photoshop work has been really, really great. (laughs) Really great. Uh, let me get to my first taco. See, this is this is what you get for for calling other people out. So, my first taco goes to an issue that is near and dear to my heart, since I am definitely one who likes to imbibe when attending a sporting event. I call this first taco the beer price is too damn high taco, and I'm giving this taco to anyone who's overpaid for an ice cold beer at a sporting event. And the grand theater of the wallet wallet walloping adventures continues at the college football playoff championships. Brace yourself, folks here. For that cash carnage that was lurking at the concession stand. Domestic bottled beer, that'll set you back $13. Craving premium, that'll be just a little bit under $15. Uh, draft beer, a staggering $16.55. Behold the theater of sport 
where liquid courage comes at the price steeper than the stadium stairs. And fans on Twitter <laughs> echoed my same sentiments of the beer price is too damn high. Here are some of the tweets that I that uh, that that people mentioned here. Um, there was uh, uh, do, 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 do. Ah, I did not say I did not write down any of the tweets. Oh, no, sh- no way I'm paying those prices. This is criminals. The stadium should be ashamed. This is ridiculous. Football fans shouldn't be going broke at sporting events. Uh, and this is pretty much said against every sporting event of all time all across this country. But what if you're not a, a person who likes to get drunk in public? Just a regular casual person trying to grab some grub. Don't think you're not pulling out the credit card and going into debt with Chase Manhattan. How about $7 water bottles, $6 pretzels, and a $10 bag of popcorn? But fear not, fellow sports fans. I'll tell you what's cheap. An Evil Mark Show taco with Wrigley's Paw of Approval, and I'm giving one to everyone. Why go in debt watching the disaster that was the college football championship, a coronation for a bunch of cheaters, when you can easily sneak in these tacos in under your rain poncho? Why not trade in traffic and rule breaking and dishonesty? The champions broke all the rules and they still got to be here. <laughs> so enjoy my fellow sports fans and don't let anything pesky like rules, ethics, laws, the feds, anti-racism, or any kind of Judeo-Christian belief get in the way of what you want. What you want is a taco and beer, sneak it in, break all the rules, or you can pay $16.55 for a single pint of beer. That's insane. Which is, yeah, just, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, I would get the guaranteed rate bowl, I think was another one where at Chase Field, so it was at a baseball stadium, mostly Kansas fans, but not totally packed. But I think there, the beers there were $14, $14 for a draft beer. And I remember every time I, every time I go to a sporting event or shoot the, the beers at the Taylor Swift concert at uh, State Farm Stadium were $18. That's insane. 18 and I had six of them. Very <laughs> expensive night. Wow. Well, <laughs> don't forget your what sixty dollars t shirts too, right? Or yeah, even yeah. more than that. I'm just glad <laughs> that that she's not going to go broke. I was really worried that she wasn't <laughs> going to make it. But with the sixty dollars t shirt and the beers, I well, the, I think the beers go to the Bidwells. I don't think they go to Taylor Swift. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's getting to a point where, like, we talk about the the. the the bowl problem has been the attendance problem, but I think the attendance problem directly points back to the ticket prices um, and then also t- points back to the concession stand prices. I, I can't think of anything that's more costly in, in America. Concert tickets, uh, admission, and then the food and the concessions is it's almost not even worth going. It's almost worth just better to just stay at home and watch it on your couch, save the money, get a better seat. Yeah, well, mm. Yeah, I mean, if you definitely have to drink, I mean, you, you might want to do some pre gaming or something. I mean, well, that's like that's where it helps out where there's when tailgating is allowed because then you can pre game in the parking lot and then you can go in. And you, you only have to buy, you know, maybe one or two, and you're not actually out that much. But for those stadiums where pre gaming or, or tailgating is outlawed, you have to do all that stuff at home, and then you certainly don't want to be driving. You got to either like kind of have someone else drive or do public transport or, or something to. You know, can I get a buzz on so you're not <laughs> filed for bankruptcy after going to a sporting mm-hmm. event? That's <laughs> yeah. Now you're in trouble, and now you've got yeah. It's just it's almost not even worth it. It's it's it's, it's becoming almost not even worth it to drink at sporting events because it's just so so expensive. It's never going to end. It just seems like the prices go up and up and up. Oh yeah, it's only going to. It's not like it's ever going to go go down or level out. You know, it's only going to keep uh, 
raising and raising to craziness. Uh, all right. Who's your second taco for? You'll be forgiven for not paying attention to you or for that matter, even knowing that there was another national championship game being played this week. Yep. Lost in the shuffle because of the division one matchup and amid an early afternoon start on Sunday alongside week 18 NFL matchups was the FCS national championship played between the South Dakota state Jackrabbits and the Montana Grizzlies. With no real rooting interest, I was just looking to this game as a chance to watch an enjoyable college football game. The last one I'd be able to enjoy this season where the stakes were low and I wouldn't be filled to the brim with noxious dread. Initially thinking that I would just half-heartedly pull for the underdog Montana Grizz, not least of which because I remember that pretty much the only college football team that Jared is even remotely aware of is South Dakota State by virtue of being stationed there. Uh, near there while he was in the chair force. But uh, once I got a look at those dazzling blue uniforms, that adorable <laughs> rabbit logo that also looks like it could be straight out of the Monty Python's Holy Grail and rip your face off. Plus the fact that uh, quarterback Mark Gronowski is from nearby Naperville, Illinois. I was all in on Team Jackrabbit. And that was the correct call, it turns out. So in an award that I'm calling the thumping their way to victory, we find the Jackrabbits chewing through Montana like so much shredded lettuce, while the final score of 23-3 to certainly reflects dominance, but not exceedingly so. This was all SDSU start to finish, and it seemed like it should have been even more of a blowout than it was, despite numerous opportunities that Grizz just couldn't claw their way back in, pun intended. It was the second consecutive title for South Dakota State, with Gronowski voted most outstanding player in back-to-back natties after throwing for 175 yards and a touchdown while also rushing for 62 yards with another score. This one was the Jackrabbits' 29th straight victory, and they're quickly becoming the dynasty in the FCS at the rival uh, the North Dakota State Bison recently were. So here is a platter of Evil Markshire Tacos, the tastiest award in all sports, with Wrigley's Paw of Approval, to the champion South Dakota State Jackrabbits. The world news organizations, even those dedicated to sports coverage, may not want to acknowledge your accomplishment, but we sure will, at least for the past couple of minutes and for the next several seconds anyway. Then I guess we'll see if you won a third straight title next year and give you your two minutes of fame then. Till then, enjoy. <laughs> You know, that was one that was on my list. The uh, the last show I was like, I was like, maybe we should cover this. And I was like, no, nah, there's already too much. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, this too, I'm like, South Dakota State. Eh. Let me see if I can. This is the NCAA FCS champion. Let me see if I get Those you a final call here. Back to back. Back to back Jacks. And South Dakota State wins another national championship. Actually, there was actually more people there. It's it's really crazy. It's where did they play this at? Did they play this in um, Frisco, Texas? Frisco. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a, they're showing a picture of the city, the skyline, and I'm like, what desolate hellhole is this? Is this rapid city, <laughs> South Dakota? <laughs> that is. I, I got to give you this. That 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 helmet is very cool looking. That logo is very cool looking. I don't. The name Jackrabbits doesn't strike much fear in the heart of anything. This is like the, the there's a local team called the Grand Canyon Antelopes. And they do like <laughs> a little, they do like a, a like a like you're making bunny ears, and they're like they're like mm. lopes up. And I'm always like I'm like how can you up. walk around like that? I'm like, I got a devil horn, man, and you got lopes up. Get the hell out of here with that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lame. But that logo, I thought, is uh, 
pretty kick ass. It's kind they of do it's, make it look cool. It's adorable at the same time, but it also looks like it could kick the shit out of you. So it does. I like it. Back to back national champions, yes, and they do get their recognition. They do get their tacos, and then we will gladly recognize them when they win their third national <laughs> championship. And maybe they'll lose their head coach to uh, to another uh, to Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that Pete Carroll's been fired, DeBoer did say that the one job he, the one NFL job he would consider, would be Seattle. Holy so <clears throat> that'd be immense. He goes to the to the Seahawks. Boom! This guy steps up, and then the Jack Rabbit Terror is no more. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Let me get to my next taco here. Um, and this is just a programming note for people who, uh, before I hand out this taco, when this game does drop, the show, both the Thursday and the Friday show, will be dark. We'll be dark this entire week. When this, when, Whenever <laughs> we find out the date is. In the summer, I don't care if the NBA finals are going on, we will be dark that week. <laughs> so my next award is related to that, and I call it the In a World Full of Disasters, NCAA Gamers Are the Real Victims Taco, and I'm giving it to the huddle masses watching last Monday's College Football National Championship. Gamers have been thirstier for a new college football video game than a frat bro on a hot day. EA Sports NCAA 14 was the last oasis in our digital football desert. But then, like a plot twist in an M. Night Shyamalan movie, the company tapped out due to NCAA player likeness legal drama. Thanks, Ed O'Bannon. Cue the TikTok and Instagram rumors all week long leading up to the natting. Rumblings that a trailer for the new game would bless our screens during the College Football National Championship. And we would get a release date for summer of 2024. And what did we get? More commercials than a Super Bowl marathon. We had Arby's commercials. We had Dr. Pepper's commercials. We had a Mean Girls trailer. Really, my fellow gamers <laughs> lost it, and rightfully so. As a card-carrying addict of the NCAA football series myself, I felt the disappointment hit harder than losing to the Beavs in Corvallis while the potato farmers revved their chainsaws. Hey, EA. <laughs> I need to wake the sleeping giant that is Arizona State and bring them to Big 12 glory. Let K-State fear me. Let my friendship with West Virginia go up in flames. And let me have my virtual revenge on the Wildcats. If I do not get a trailer soon, there will be an embargo on all Evil Marshall tacos and all Evil Marshall <laughs> tacos with regularly spoiled approval. I want my NCAA 24, goddammit. I need my trailer. I don't care if it's a Madden reskin or if it includes Brian Kelly dancing in the intro. I need content. And this evil Mark Sotaco is not officially awarded until I have a trailer or a release date. I've never been the, the one thing. And the other thing that's on top of this game, not only am I waiting for the game, but I'm not even going to purchase a PS5 until I get a, a firm date here. So I'm like, the day mm. I know a date will be the day I know I get the system, which sets me up for that date. And we're all, in January is pretty much done here. And we don't have a date. And this is supposed to be summer 2024. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, especially when there was all that talk that it was going to be revealed during the national championship game and, and what perfect time to do it other than that like when you've got all those eyes and you get all those people that are hungry for that game all those people that probably uh played that game um well i mean it's been a decade now so i mean like the younger generation doesn't even know of a world where that game exists like i i still have uh nca 14 on my ps3 that's still uh well i haven't played it you know really recently but i mean it's uh it still gets rotation every once in a while and i was going to say like you just brought it up it is next gen only so you are going to have to uh, actually get a a new system yeah but, you get the ps5 or the xbox one i i don't even know if it'll be released pc day one I, there's the rumors are kind of conflicting yeah have you heard now i saw the message boards i'm definitely one to troll message boards there is a rumor 
that the final cut, the final cut of the game should be going to, uh, to QC quality control testers, uh, uh, like this week. And it, and it has not. So there's rumors Mm -hmm. that there's, that there's, it's been delayed so far. They don't believe this could affect the, the date of the game, but I guess in most video game timelines and most development timelines, when you're this close to a, a release, this should already be done. So the fact that the rumor is that quality control hasn't got their final pass at this game makes me, if that's true, which I totally believe it because I read it on the internet, that makes me very, <laughs> very worried. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on how many bugs were kind of like inherently in the code in the first place. Like if there is like I, there for all intents and purposes, they say that this isn't just going to be a Madden reskin uh, with college uniforms, this is actually going to be, you know, a whole new engine built in the, the Frostbite 2 engine. And so it's not just going to be a rescan. So, um, yeah, that's, that is kind of troubling then because you think that uh, something brand new is going to have some, uh, bugs that need to be squashed and, uh, QC have a little time to work it through. But I mean, maybe they already did delay it an entire year. So, I mean, because they they were trying to do it right. They didn't want to just rush it and half-ass it. Like, once they got it done, I mean, they were saying, like, all the reports that I've seen in articles that uh, teams went to, like, every single Division I school to try to get uh, a feeling for what a game day tradition really is like and to make it a more authentic experience and everything. And so, if they're spending that much time doing it, it it definitely seems like, you know, they – definitely want to get it right and so that's like yeah what better place to debut or you know get people hyped up than talk about it on the national championship game so the fact that they didn't do it is a little weird maybe maybe there's this game and ship like since everyone was expecting it why drop it or maybe it was like why why advertise when you know people are going to buy it anyway i guess if you <clears throat> if you didn't have your tinfoil hat on then you'd think like okay well maybe they're maybe they're playing 4d chess here or is this just EA just kind of knowing like, hey, we turn on the we turn on the money tap and the cash starts flowing and no one's really gonna even if it is a reskin. I mean, they're always gonna say the same thing. It's not a reskin. It's not a reskin. But even if it is a reskin, I'm still gonna give people my, are still gonna buy it. Yeah, you know, you still want the the latest iteration. There's only so much you know roster retooling that you can do on a decades old game. It's like you know two uh, generations of systems back so yeah people would still i think to your point buy it if it's a reskin but i mean there's some level of like yeah people are going to buy it no matter what but for those casuals or for people that have never had any kind of experience with the ea game because i'm lucky to still have retained my copy because if you try to you look on ebay i mean that oh it's a thing's going for like 200 some bucks you know for a playstation 3 game which is kind of crazy but uh so the casuals that have, or have, you know, the people that are young that have never experienced playing with that game, I think would be really excited about it. So why not debut it? Like, I, I mean, the more that they kind of keep it from us is, I think, to your point, more troubling. It's like, well, why aren't you giving us more trailers than just the the opening sequence? Why aren't you telling us more information about what it's going to be released? Why aren't you giving this this? Because... Yeah, there are some fans who are wondering, like, what what's going to be the most disappointing thing that we find out that there's like NBA 2K, whatever, like the NBA game that there's ads within the game, like genuine commercials you cannot skip or the fact that you'd have to buy in, like you'd have to make purchases, real life purchases 
for NIL advantage. Which one would be more <laughs> would be more disappointing? I mean, that would be funny if it was like you know, uh, if it was. <laughs> I, I guess it depends on how much they're doing. Like, if for every like a thousand dollars, it's buck or something. Like, I, I I don't know, like how how they would do something like that, how they would incorporate that. That would be kind of funny or, or ironic, but yeah, I really don't like want to have to pay or watch ads. You're already buying uh, what's a full price game. I mean, this is going to be 70, 70 80 bucks. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure by the time of release. So why have to pay for more? I mean, what they did with the last iteration where they had like the downloadable uh like the additional alternate uniforms like you get your your standard home and away and maybe one one alternate and if you wanted um like uh, more alternates like if you were uh, an Oregon completionist and you had to have like <laughs> you have to buy them all <laughs> buy all of them um they did have packs like that which i assume you know is a way that you can make money because you don't have to buy it you only purchase it if you want to purchase that and uh i mean something like that is okay i guess it's still like i mean the code's already there you're just you're paying someone else you're making someone else pay more money to unlock it just kind of give it to everybody but uh. <laughs> well i i know i've, I've never been against the nil but <clears throat> the moment i have to go into my real pocket to get it, to get a recruit to get a four star or five star player that'll be the moment that i go full davo sweeney <laughs> Be like, no, this is wrong. We have to stop this. We have to turn, we have to stop the NIL at all costs. I cannot be paid. Oh, gosh. I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to imagine the idea of the NIL. I mean, I hope that that's not like a a gameplay, like feature kind of thing where you have to do that because – you know, every sports game has like the like the ultimate team or like the the FIFA packs or whatever, where there's like the fantasy aspect of it, where mm-hmm. you, you have to buy packs or whatever, or you can you know buy conditioning chips or whatever. I mean, I, I imagine that that's going to be some level of the game, but yeah, to your point, it's like if it's a part of like the regular dynasty kind of thing, where it's like, oh yeah, this five star quarterback said he's not going to come there unless you pay this, you know, this four ninety nine, uh, whatever. It's just like. Really? Like, this is how you're nickel and diamond me? This is some horseshit. <laughs> I don't want that. Uh, I need that release date. I need that release date. Uh, go ahead and give me your last taco. Yeah. Kellogg's and Pop-Tarts never answered the bell about us being bowl brand ambassadors. But we do continue the dream and the petitioning. And I get that it's commonplace in society, particularly in sports, that you kind of have to take your lumps and move your way up to the top. Not everyone can just start out on third base like they hit a triple. (laughs) While I desperately was searching for a story for this third taco, I find this, which actually couldn't fit more perfectly to the show. If ever there was a right bowl game to qualify for and prove our brand ambassador medal, it's this proposed irrelevant bowl (laughs) in an award that I'm calling the EMS will make the irrelevant, super relevant taco. Word is out about SoCal-based promoter Roy Engelbrecht proposing a postseason game which would pit the two worst teams in college football, hoping to highlight teams that are winless or close to it. Cities would put in their bids in the first quarter of the year to host the bowl with the winning city then retaining all event revenue, including ticket sales, concessions, and parking fees. Engelbrecht stated in a press conference, quote, no polls, no rankings, no controversy, just two winless or near winless teams looking for redemption and one elusive win, end quote. 
He goes on to add that he will petition the NCAA to grant a waiver beginning in 2024 for the two teams to have eligibility to participate. Although it doesn't seem to have a lot of support or traction with Action Network's Brett McMurphy stating that there is, quote, no chance, end quote, that a waiver would be granted by the governing body. This seems okay, as a source seems to think that even if eligible, quote, a conference or team is not going to mock itself for going 1-11 or 2-10, and end quote. <laughs> and I kind of understand that. I do. I mean, most people wouldn't want to call more attention to their utter failings and inadequacies, and universities in general have an overabundance of pride, so they probably wouldn't be champing at the bit to be the winner of what would essentially be a laughingstock award. But what about the teams that wouldn't otherwise ever have a chance at any kind of postseason berth? What about the UMasses, the Yukons, the doormats in the MAC and Mountain West uh, and Sunbelt? Some players who suit up for four plus seasons getting smacked around like sentient tackling dummies without ever having a chance to play a meaningful December football game. It's the joy of sports. Hell, the credo of the nation itself about being the underdog, the little guy, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps to become something. These small, shitty teams should be able to do just that. And this small, independent, and I'm sure some listeners would say, sometimes shitty podcasts should be able to do that too. (laughs) Rise above and be the proud ambassadors of the Irrelevant Bowl, where our motto is, meh, what the hell else were we going to do anyway? So Evil Mark Show Tacos, with Wrigley's Paw of Approval, to Mark and I, and to our listeners, even Doug, to promoter Roy Ungebrecht and to every winless or shitty school who would be eligible for this irrelevant bowl and some more to the NCAA as incentive to get this done. You may call it bribery, but we know that you're not going to do anything to punish Michigan. So you fucking owe us and you owe us big time. (laughs) We'll see you in December, 2024 on the sideline of the irrelevant bowl and whatever winning city it is, hopefully not Frisco, Texas based on Mark's reaction. And then based on that massive success that's going to be achieved, no doubt we'll see you in 2025 at the Pop-Tart Bowl. You know, that would have put like, so Kent State went one in 11. So they, they, I think they technically had the worst record in Division One, And then the second worst I can find just looking through the, the standings here, I think would be Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Kent State, Louisiana Monroe. I, you know, I'd kind of be like if I, I, I did lose our pick challenge, but like in that one, I'd probably go with Kent State. <laughs> like, wow. Just, just for the simple fact of making tragedy jokes. I mean, Kent State <laughs> is my pick. <laughs> Oh I mean, it, 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 the national, you know, call the national guard joke writes itself right there. <laughs> I can't wow. find a worse one. It maybe if like if if Kent State doesn't want to go, we could have uh, Louisiana Monroe versus UConn and UMass both had the same record. UMass mm-hmm. though had had those three wins were pretty. It would be a tough one. It would be a real challenge to find out who really is the worst team. You'd have to be looking at strength of schedule and the conference and be like, no, 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 no. There, there can't be a Big Ten team that will ever play it. Like, <laughs> I could just Man, see the same arguments working in reverse. Like UMass, I watched that. I remember being so excited for the the college football season and watching that first UMass game and thinking like. Wow, they're actually going to be something this year. Like they're they're definitely they might get bowl eligible. I mean, this team is something. They actually had an offense. They were driving the ball. Like their defense was making a couple stops. It was like holy shit. Like this team might be legit. And they still finished with what? You said three wins, mm-hmm. uh, three and nine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about right. Well, I mean, two more wins than they uh, than they achieved in previous seasons. But yeah, and one of I one of those wins. Good. 
one of those wins is over a show favorite, uh, the New Mexico State Aggies, too. Like that would have there been a go. real feather in their cap, too. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. I'm ready for that bowl game. I'm here for that one. Let's do that. That's a irrelevant bowl. I, you would need a waiver, though, right? Like they'd have to go get an NCA waiver. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, you know, already if they're not six and six, they have to get uh, an eligibility waiver. You know, that's when, like when you see some five and seven teams and those are kind of voted on, like who who had done uh, more academically, who had more kind of prowess Ooh, academically. A, a so, very litigious state to do. And I wonder who the sponsor for the see, that would be the real trick. Who would be the sponsor for the irrelevant bowl? It'd have to be like something like a, a, a product that maybe can has a good joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> that can maybe do some fun marketing. I don't know. We have to kick it around. Maybe the Hallmark movie channel. Like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a little too on brand for them. Well, let me get to my last taco here. So the show has gone over and over again, how weird Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is. The SpongeBob stuff, the love of milk and khakis, the slumber parties with recruits, the disdain and then redemption of chickens in his eyes. The guy is literally a nutball. So it comes as no surprise his quarterback is a little bit off himself. I call my last taco the milk and steak, milk and steak mini me taco, and I'm giving it to Greg McElroy impersonator. Michigan quarterback and certified weirdo JJ McCarthy. Now, ESPN's Monday night college football playoff national championship broadcast turned into a Holly Rowe tell all about McCarthy. Get this dude thinks brushing his teeth with his non dominant hand turns him into alpha brain wave wizard. He alpha brain waves are enhanced in his mind when he brushes with his alternate hand. And that's not all. He also pictures himself sporting a rose between his chompers while chanting, I love you, man, into the mirror. That's pretty crazy, right? And no worries, because if that dude has gone full Looney Tunes, he's got a plan. Because apparently, J.J. McCarthy cured his own depression with a little thing called Google. Clinical depression? Fixed it with a single search. Move over, therapist, and witness this power, Tom Cruise. Now he's chilling in the end zone, meditating like Buddha pregame, I swear, like McCarthy is like this close to just like DMing tarot card readers, like following manifestation gurus on TikTok, like signing up for Aaron Rodgers newsletter. I mean, this guy is going full, full nut job. Talk about a quarterback journey from pocket passer to pocket psycho. Now, the apple definitely doesn't fall far from the Michigan man tree, and I, for one, am here for it. So I'm awarding this evil Mark Shotaco. With Wrigley's, without Wrigley's pop approval, I'm sorry, Michigan men do not qualify. Unfortunately, <laughs> Wrigley laid down the law. I was like, can we give this? Can we put the seal? He's like, no, I cannot co-sign that. <laughs> You're giving it to J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I, can't, I cannot co-sign that. But I give this regular taco to the oddball behind under center himself because maybe J.J. can figure out a way to cure cancer or become a telepath or develop telekinesis with the Google search. What, whatever wonderful and powerful and magical abilities he can pull from this taco, I encourage him to do. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's really watching champion? A Taco <laughs> Thursday award winner. The weirdest thing, when we're, I'm, I'm watching the national title game and they're like, he brushes his teeth with his left hand and that increases alpha brainwaves. So I'm like, is this guy Andrew Tate? Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what is oh, well, do you want to admit something, Mark? Because you actually said, I might actually try that. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, really? I'm like, I'm like, it does? <laughs> but, see, 
this is why I can't watch televangelists because I'd be like, really? <laughs> like, Jesus needs you to give me money. I'd be like, really, Joel Olstein? Like, how much? <laughs> I'd give you five. He'd be like, I mean, this water's there. really been blessed. <laughs> <laughs> it's miracle water, Mark. Come on, man. You're gonna. I'd be like, well, it's worth a shot. I mean, it's only ten bucks for the water. Fuck it. I mean, maybe I'll like make some hot cocoa with it, and I'll be like, hey, look, drinking miracle water. <laughs> All until you get a bacterial infection. The, I think the the alpha brain waves. That sounds like corny. Like that sounds like something you hear on Rogan. But like the the offensive one is the he. I had depression, which I don't think you're allowed to self-diagnose. But then he's like, I Googled it. Now I'm all good. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the ultimate Michigan like man insulting one. Like, no, 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 guys, no guys. I had a serious I had a serious medical issue, but I Googled it. I'm all good. <laughs> right. Like what is yeah. he a Christian scientist? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no way that he yeah, that's kind of just like a slap in the face for all the people that do actually have, you know, a mental condition and, you know, clinical depression say like, I Googled it and figured it out. It's like, no, you woke up feeling kind of down in the dumps one day and like Googled, you know, kittens and then you felt better. And like, and you're kind of diagnosing that as depression, like go fuck yourself. And now he's meditating. He's meditating like Buddha. It's a, he's a very, very, very odd duck. And there's also a, if if you go back and re- read the stuff about his high school years, definitely high performing, but also was a guy known for his weird out of control kind of antics or not out of control, but more of his oddball, unique, quirky. I guess now that's different, right? Because if you're a champion, you're quirky. If you're if you're not a champion, then you're a weird. Then you're guy. weird. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's quirky. funny how this levels. <laughs> so now he's just a quirky. He's just the quirky national champion. But no thanks to him. I I, I can't even. Uh, and I know we're gonna we're gonna get break down the game next. But like I can't think of a Greg McElroy, like another quarterback who who did so poorly in a in in such a big game, and still acted like he was like the main focal point for that entire <laughs> offense. Just so proud of himself. I was like, geez, like they only, I think they only ended up throwing the ball like 11 times that entire game. Or yeah. He made like one, like a really good pass that entire game. And I mean, it, it mattered. It was like a huge part of the game, but uh, yeah, <laughs> one completed pass is not a really good uh, collegiate quarterback make. So if only he would have Googled how to throw more passes. <laughs> exactly. It's a shame. It's a real shame that he didn't do more Googling. So uh, that was Taco Thursday, our version of a weekly award show where the winners receive the tastiest awards. Anyone can receive a taco. Congrats to all our winners. And let's get do some cheap plugs. And I like this one because I don't have to read it. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by Shiba Inu. Shib. Shiba Inu token is the most exciting cryptocurrency in the world. Way back in 2021, Shiba Inu became the most popular cryptocurrency, surpassing Dogecoin and Bitcoin on CoinMarketCap. You can buy hashtag SHIB on all the most popular coin exchanges like Mark's favorite Coinbase, but the best place to find more information is by following at SHIBtoken on X. There you'll find the links to the Discord, subreddit, Telegram, and everywhere else to find more info on Shiba Inu. Do you have the next great bowl idea, but like us, are running into cowardly brands that refuse to take a chance? Then start investing in cryptocurrency, become a SHIB millionaire, and use those diamond paws to make your own bowl. SHIB to the moon. 
yeah, hey, irrelevant bull, Shiba Inu, man. <laughs> I feel like it's it's it, it's it's a it's a it's a considered a uh, a lower cryptocurrency, but those in the know know it's just as good. Has a great market cap. Could step in Shib Army. I imagine like a, a a lot of like a military theme, kind of like the 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 armed forces bull, but like uh, more dramatic. That maybe we bring in a, a like a knockoff. Give me the Mexican uh, equivalent of Android, Andrew Lloyd Webber. We put together if there is one. I I got to assume there is one. We can put together like a theme. We'll get a big organ and they'll play inside the stadium. And we'll only play that. So it'll only play like anything. So if if, if it's a T Pain song, we'll just do requests. Like you literally just order it off the app, and then the organ player will play it right there. There you go. Well, shit. If Shib ends up uh, being the sponsor for this and we're not brand ambassadors then we know that something's definitely wrong so oh no they would they would hook us they, they know we we, we got our finger on the pulse of college football the the big wings at the pop tar bowl obviously didn't need our help this time around but they are going to be back they will be ne- they will be there next year so uh as long as they stay in existence we'll, we'll find our way to orlando and i think that's the first time anyone's ever actually wanted to go to orlando <laughs> <laughs> Other than like NBA players who love strip clubs, they love Orlando. <laughs> no one else wants to go to Orlando. Um, let's take a look at our national championship. Now, before we take a look back at the national title game, give you our breakdown, let's just step back and look at the national champs and how they actually got here. So Michigan started the year under mass pressure after choking away a college football appearance, a loss so bad to TCU, it threatened to undermine everything Harbaugh and company had done to neutralize Ohio state rumors flew that Harbaugh was done. His agents openly flirted with the NFL uh, while the entire program remained in limbo for weeks. Now, eventually, Harbaugh got his money back from back from prior reductions. He got full control of the program, and his former bosses, who tried to neuter him two years ago, were forced to kiss the ring. All of this for just one more year, knowing this was the best shot at a national title because of the multiple seniors on the team and everything that was going on. So right before the season... Uh, controversy surfaces uh, thanks to a Michigan whistleblower in regards to Jim Harbaugh's illegal recruiting activities, which included purchasing hamburgers off campus and permissible visits and accommodations. All of this was found out because Harbaugh used his Michigan corporate card for the illegal purchases. This, of course, set Michigan faithful on fire. And the counter narrative was this is a nothing burger. It doesn't matter. And the blame was pushed on NCA investigators who were beating the same old drum when obviously with the NIL, the entire college football world is doing this. Now, there is some merit to this argument, but we'll see this key kind of gets repeated again and again and again. But still, but it's still ended careers and hampered programs. So this whole narrative falls apart when we put this under scrutiny because the NCA didn't punish the burgers or didn't punish it till later. In fact, it punished the fact that Harbaugh lied about the burgers, refused to work with investigators, and lied to investigators and made public statements that there was no wrongdoing and that this didn't happen when, in fact, it did, and he provided the evidence. He ratted on himself. So this resulted in the first suspension, which was about the hamburgers, uh, but really it was about lying and deception, which we'll visit again as this story lays out further and further. Now, Eric, I want to stop this at this point. So at this point in the in the first part of the year, this is like January. So after the national title game, uh, mid-January, kind of like almost where we're at now, maybe like 10 days more. I think it was like January 19th, January 20th, 21st. We find out impermissible visits, uh, hamburgers purchased. He comes out, makes a strong statement. He had nothing to do with this. And then later we find out, yes, he had everything to do with it. 
He purchased the burgers on his card, but yet he's standing defiant against the NCAA. Like in my mind, this was just more run of the mill. Like I was like, this happens all the time. I was like, yeah, it's shitty, but this is like, this is par for the course. What were your thoughts on hamburger gate? Yeah. I mean, kind of just right there with you. I mean, we talked about it at the time and it just, I, I think I even said like, admittedly, I mean, that was an incredibly lame reason for their to have even been a scandal. I mean, like you said, practically every team is guilty of some kind of violation because the rules are so vague and obscure and some things are only violations at certain times. Like you can do such and such, but not during this period. So, I mean, so cheeseburgers is a, a lame thing to get hung up on, but then the real thing like, as more info started to come out and like some guy that, that claims to be this Christ loving, God fearing by the books guy, you know, and then, you know, bold faced lying to the governing body of the sport, like multiple times, like even when it's obvious and you know, they, they know that you're lying and you're like, come on, man, it's not really that big of a deal. Just help us out. And we could, you know, put all this past up. And he, then he's like, Nope, I did nothing wrong. Just like Jim, we have the literal receipts. Like, nope, big news. Like, <laughs> we have the receipts. <laughs> well, uh, that's the difference with the. We we saw the same thing play out in ASC with Herm Edwards: impermissible visits and permissible benefits, which turned out to just be like food and trips and selfies and during the dead period. And I think that the one difference here was that Herm and that staff, the the whole strategy was like, don't talk to NCA and no one talk to investigators. Just clam up don't see anything jim harbaugh goes out and makes his own news when he's like he makes a twitter statement saying that he did no wrongdoing and that he's gonna fight it <laughs> like he he put himself out there not only did he does he know he did it but instead of just saying i'm not going to talk to investigators or you know the the investigation's ongoing or you could even pull the old like we're going to internally investigate so we're not going to talk to anything right now like we've been advised by our league you can always like pussy your way out with like you know blame the lawyers like Right. You know, I'm sorry. We, I wish we could stand up and tell you the truth, but we're not allowed to. Our lawyer says like, you could totally opt out of going, you know, you could totally take that route. No one would be upset with you. But the fact that they go, no, we had, we did nothing wrong and we're going to fight. This. It's like, it's a bold stance for someone who purchased the illegal things on his company credit card. And we'll see this later. Like, this is the arrogance of, of, not only the university, it, we'll see this, it spreads out to the university later, but Harbaugh not wanting to just clam up, but wanting to fight investigators and take this public stand. Like at this point, was there like, it was this just in your mind, just like par for the course for who this guy is? Or is it just like, here he yeah. goes again, making an ass of himself? Like, this is what he's got to do. No, this is par for the course. And it's kind of just like, it's what he's done, it's what that school has done it's like this was because around the same time i think it was not too much before this that the whole thing about like the like the the sex scandal or whatever like with the the doctor that that had been there since the 60s that had you know inappropriately like touched people that they had to pay out millions and millions of dollars to thousands of victims uh that that was another thing that they just kind of like poo-pooed or bear you know kind of just pushed under the rug and there's the same kind of thing like the university try like is there like cognizant of the fact that things are going on but you know trying to claim that they have a blind eye or that they that there was no impropriety when all along they were culpable and it's so it's like yeah it's with him and it's just like there's so much of it like there's like the the weird kind of like funny innocuous stuff that we joke about but then there's shit like this where like i said the whole buying cheeseburgers for recruits 
is that really that big of a deal? But when you like, that's the biggest thing to me is the hypocrisy. When you claim to be like, oh yeah, Jesus would be a five-star recruit. And you know, I'm this God-fearing man. And yet you're going to lie to the governing body multiple times in the sport that you claim to love so much. Go fuck yourself, man. Like you're, you're worse than everybody else. Yeah. If you're a real tinfoil hat conspiracist, like I am, like you would go full. It's all fake. You go full Alex Jones here because that day, the, 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 I'm looking back here at the timeline. The day the burger story came out was January 20th. On January 19th, less than one news cycle before that news breaks. And you have this detail about the burgers and the benefits and, and, you know, he comes out and makes a statement. What got buried there, which I think was intentional. This is going to be my Sandy hook here is that on the 19th, the day before, Michigan fires co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss for allegedly gaining unauthorized access to computers, uh, computer accounts assigned to other people. So he's there's this in, in crime, alleged crime that occurs in December. This news comes out on January 19th that they fired him. They don't say why, but that he's fired. Uh, this doesn't come out till later. Uh, the the reasons around the firing, and we don't find out about the FBI involvement until we don't hear about the FBI involvement until we get to the 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 sign stealing scandal. All we know is that day before the burger scandal comes out, the co offensive coordinator is fired. No one says why. It's not till later we find out that that it was that the feds are involved. And there was this whole idea during the sign stealing. They were like, wait a minute, are the feds involved? Like what's going on here? And, in, and the NCAA had to step and say, no, 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 this is a different investigation entirely. N- not that investigation, this other investigation. This is like, there are, there are like, there are presidencies that have less scandals in a shorter amount of time where you have to go, well, no, not that scandal. That's the other scandal. It's no, not, not, no, not that one. That's not related to that one. That's a totally different thing. It's so bizarre. And then later we find out accessing other people's accounts. Uh, we, we never got the, what we did find out originally, this was supposed to be originally it was sold as, oh, this was just him accessing people at a, you know, accessing other accounts in the state of Michigan, which would have made it a state crime. But then when we find out the feds are involved, this means he accessed other people's computer accounts across state lines. This was what brought the feds in to kind of investigate this issue. So we, so before we even get to the science, we're not even there yet. (laughs) We have an offensive coordinator fired for hacking. We have basically a lying cover up. So at, at this point, it's like, what can get worse and it does continue to get worse so uh uh let's move on here um let me see where they live okay so jim harbaugh suspended first three games of the season everyone knows this is a joke because the out of conference schedule is terrible jim harbaugh sits out they win all three of these games no big deal really easy part of this of the schedule as the season unfolds, when Harbaugh gets back from suspension, the, car, the college football world is rocked by the bigger scandal of sign stealing. At this point, we get introduced to the idea of Connor Stallions, the Michigan Manifesto, the spy ring all over the college football world, the illegal payments. All of a sudden, Mel Tucker, everything else, every other shady element from this past season loses all attention. More and more evidence points to a program rotten at, rotten at its core and culminates in the active destruction of evidence. Well, let me go back one step. So the story on Reddit College Football, the story on Twitter slash X is the science stealing scandals. They're finding pictures of Connor Stallions in a, a Central Michigan hat. There are pictures of him all over this place. I was really of the opinion at this time, I was like, this is going to be it. 
this is what kills this program. There's mountains and mountains and mountains of evidence. And just like when during conference realignment, just like when the PAC 12 kind of disintegrated, you could follow this hour by hour on college football, Reddit. new stories, new evidence being found by Redditors, uh, 4chan users, different people all over the internet, message board trolls are coming out of the work. All of this is starting to congeal and all of it's starting to get leaked over to the NCA. And what we're finding out is that the NCA and big 10 investigators kind of, already knew this they already had some of this information they started getting filling in the gaps i really thought this was going to be the, the kill shot here you were were not so sold on this i remember when this when the a week after this broke i'm like okay well we they have to stop operation so fifth game of the michigan season i was like okay well this is it like they have to be suspended the, the rest of the year they someone's got to step in and be like no and i'm thinking in my mind i'm like it's gonna happen any day now the big 10 commissioner is gonna step in and be like well they're suspended from from postseason play for this year until we investigate all this because there's so much evidence. You were not there. You were never there. You were never convinced that this was going to be the thing that would bring them down, even for this year. Why mm-hmm. were you never sold on this as opposed to myself and all the hysterical people on Reddit College Football? Because it's Michigan and it's a blue blood and it's Harbaugh, who's a guy who's been in the NFL and he's like a, this big time figure. And, you know, the first like weird and kind of obnoxious as I think that we find them, you know, even if some of the stuff is funny for show content. I mean, there's a a huge portion of people that think that he's this affable, likable kind of endearing guy. Like they kind of, they think that the whole milk in the chicken story is funny and the, you know, the SpongeBob footy pajamas and sleepovers with recruits that that's all kind of like this cute endearing thing. So I knew that nothing was going to happen. Like the NCAA doesn't do anything really quickly i mean so i i knew that they were going to kind of drag their feet on this and do some kind of investigation and even if they did, did find uh, a bunch of impropriety even if there was all this evidence and this stuff coming out they weren't going to do anything it's the winningest team uh university in the history of college football like it's a, a blue blood that almost everybody knows that has like a fans kind of worldwide like i, I knew that nothing was going to happen <laughs> it's where do we come down on or where do you come down on connor stallions it's kind of interesting that we have a guy here michigan super fan who didn't even go to michigan uh went to the naval academy but he wills his yeah who wills <laughs> his way into uh into this job there he made it his whole life to be there he's a super fan uh, supposedly he's the one who has this idea and then there's this idea of this well we know it exists but no one has got their copy their hands on it this 100 page over 100 page document where he intends to come in as a scout and eventually replace Harbaugh as head coach i mean it just sounds so utterly ridiculous but here it is this guy is on the sideline in a michigan you know in a central michigan game in a hat with dark sunglasses and here he is at the rose bowl no less uh no pictures of him at the national championship i don't know if someone got to him but like it is is this name always going to stick around in college football or is just the nature of yeah. the news cycle that this, well, I, this is eventually going to get forgotten? I think real big time fans of college football and certainly, you know, people that are like on the, the CFB subreddit. I mean, that name is going to be kind of synonymous with like cheating and scandals for at least the next decade plus. I mean, I think people that are like really kind of have their, their feet and their fingers into the game are going to know that game and associated with it. And I mean, but for all the, 
the idiocy that was kind of like for all the the evidence that he just got, that he left that he didn't cover his tracks for all the the stuff that was kind of out there. I mean, how how smart of it on the flip side for Harbaugh to just kind of claim innocence, right? Like, obviously, he had an affiliation with Counter Stallions, knew who he was, knew what he was doing, was using the the all the the stuff that was being brought to the table was uh, gaining off of that. But then Stallions is the perfect scapegoat. When all of it comes to light, he can c- kind of just claim ignorance and say like, oh, no, we weren't cheating. There was no impropriety on our end. If th- this guy was uh, acting, he wasn't ever really officially affiliated with the school and he wasn't acting on our behalf. It was just a super fan that, you know, was trying to do something like th- there was that, uh, that claimed ignorance that, does he just think that all of us are stupid? We know that he was using it. We knew that he knew what exactly what was going on. But I mean, at least he was kind of smart enough to to cover his tracks in that respect. And, and there, that's, there was a certain amount of gaslighting, a gaslighting too, right? Like with with the uh, definitely well, not a certain amount, a lot of gaslighting there because as that as that scandal unfolded, it was like, yeah, it was it was first of all, oh, Connor Stanley is just a super fan. No, no, actually, he was on the staff. Well, you know, he was never. Maybe he was never on the sidelines. Maybe he was never connected to those people. Nope. Heyman's connected there. Pictures of him on the sideline. Oh, well, you know, this is a nothing burger. This is like the first suspension. They're just, this is a, and I can't believe and we even, we, we fell back into this word, but I, this, I don't know when this, well, I know when this word, but like the whole witch hunt thing, like how, how that got twisted. There, there was all this, this language this kind of charged language and this charged, like very much this political kind of idea, right? Like you kind of joked about it earlier. You said like fake news, like I joked about this topic. There's this weird kind of defensive mode from, you would expect it from the fan base, but from the university itself. And uh, like the day this comes out, the day they agree to the next three game suspension because of the destroying evidence. So big 10 discovers that there was evidence that was destroyed. They've concluded, or they they say they have not concluded their investigation, but they've concluded that portion of the investigation of gathering information. They say what's left of the information has been destroyed, which is in question in my mind, but now they agree to another three-game suspension for Harbaugh. So now at this point, he's been suspended six games of the regular season. Uh, and the Big Ten is kind of backed off this now. Uh, the NCA is backed off it. They say there's going to be, there could be future repercussions, but for this year, at least no playoff ban, uh, no postseason ban at all. Uh, and everything will proceed as normal knowing this is just hanging over them. And I, I think you made, I think you mentioned this on the show. Cause I was like, well, they're going to vacate it. And you, and you made the point way earlier in the season. You were like, yeah, it doesn't matter to them. If they vacate this title, we put an asterisk on this title later on down the line. We start kind of piecing this timeline together when no evidence really stays destroyed. It's it, evidence gets covered. It eventually sees the light of day. It's just a matter of when. Will we ever see it? That manifesto will eventually work its way out. It's just a matter of will we find it when it matters or will we find it long after the fact? I think a good, a good comp to this is, well, not in, 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 uh, impact or like severity, but like the Epstein list for all of, for all of the, terrible terrible horrible disgusting things that have happened as this thing slowly gets stripped out 
people kind of lose their gas for it. There's no taste for it. You hear the same kind of stuff over and over again. Like this, I feel like we're going to be in the same boat with this, with this Michigan thing. I think eventually there will be vacations. There will be uh, vacations. Uh, Is that the right word? Vacating. I think there will be vacated wins, vacated championships. I think there'll be more details that come out, but it'll be so slow dripped. I think the only ones who are really going to care are like serious hardcore college football fans. And I think, oh, of course, Ohio State fans are going to be all over this. Uh, And then I, I, but I think for most casual fans, people who don't really follow the sport or who just casually follow the sport, I think this is just going to be like, this is going to get so slow drip, like they're not going to care. Like, what's the larger impact here if this doesn't result in like losing scholarships, which I don't think would even matter if they lost scholarships? NIL would cover all that. Like, what's the Mm -hmm. impact here over the next couple of years as this information gets slowly dripped out? Do people stop caring or do people start caring more? Oh, I think. Yeah, to your point, I mean, everyone has a short attention span and there's always new news coming to light and there's always some new scandal to kind of be offended by. So, I mean, yeah, eventually this is all going to go away. The biggest thing that would be like, okay, this is the first national championship in what was it, 26, 28 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Plus, like if they start, if they vacate wins from when Stallions was affiliated with the school, that obviously means that they're not at a thousand wins. Like part of like Michigan or uh, Harbaugh, his thing was like oh well i made a bet with the players and so now we went 15 and 0 and won the national championship so i'm going to get this tattoo this you know maize and blue m with you know uh signifying a, a thousand wins and blah 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 well you strip those wins away you're not at a thousand there buddy and so that means <laughs> hopefully he's in the nfl by that point in time and so i don't know wow. he would he would spin it as just like oh like no it was never meant to signify that and he's like no but we, we've got the soundbite where you said that it was so i think that would be pretty funny but i mean i mean that obviously would be huge for other people that are kind of trying to, to play that all-time winning this program game you know you take all those wins away and that means a lot more programs are, are kind of in the same playing field as michigan so yeah or I'm 100% confident this, this will be vacated in the future. Well, what percentage would you put it at that you think this this national title will be vacated? 33. I really don't have any kind of faith in the NCAA. Like, if they do, wow. any, like, it's the, the stupidest shit. Like, they will give the death penalty to programs for just the most innocuous kind of stuff. But like I was saying, with a, a character like Harbaugh, with a program like Michigan, they're going to treat this whole thing with – with kid gloves. I mean, there was a precedence for it before. Like they could have chose to make an example out of Harbaugh with the whole lying thing. Like I said, you know, the, the cheeseburger thing, not that big of a deal, but the whole lying is a big deal. And you think that they would be offended by that. You think they would really put the hammer down, but, but they didn't like, if they really wanted it to be serious, they could have kind of nailed into the wall after the first one. And certainly here with the second one, blatant cheating with a whole bunch of evidence, like they could have ousted him, like forced him to be outed or just, ban them from postseason play, which obviously eliminates us from having to have this conversation. But no, I mean, maybe they think it's going to be more impactful if they theatrically rip it away later on down the road. But like we said, like those people that have the fucking Walmart championship t-shirts, those still exist. So well, and then Harbaugh comes back. It's Michigan versus the world. Like literally it's it's like UCF t-shirts are being printed while he's away. (laughs) Michigan versus the world, uh, and then then there's the the the, the charge language, the adversity, witch hunt, all these these things kind of get spun up, and of course you got Michigan alumni, you got ESPN heads uh, being brought in right away, uh, you know, 
talking about the scandal, uh, talking about the different factors of it, but never really kind of implicating Harbaugh, always kind of treating him with kid gloves. Again, and I think to your point, a little bit so colorful, it's kind of easy to look the other way on the really, really dark, weird stuff like the the uh, pro-life rallies and the the SpongeBob is an analogy for Jesus-y stuff and and the the lack of ethics. It is kind of like it's it's a very modern day thing that a colorful personality would have some really dark, weird shit like on the side, and we'd all be like, yeah, yeah, but but. but He's an interesting. He's a he's a real character. <laughs> like, like it, it is kind of like I would think like twenty twenty years ago. I th- I think they would have really ripped into him. Like I just wonder like if Joe Pa had been more colorful, like would he have gotten away with the the you know the the not busting the pedophile thing? Like was his problem not being more enigmatic? <laughs> well, but well, yeah, like, that's if he had collected too, like... Funko Pops, like would <laughs> Joe Pa break. <laughs> Well, there was a lot of people that loved Joe Pa. Like, I mean, he was like incredibly revered. Like, I mean, a, a lot of like there was like video games that had him on the cover, and there was like you know all kinds of like uh, college football magazines. Like, this was a, a guy that was like really held in kind of reverence. And so, I mean, a scandal um, that even like obviously, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a, like I mean, because obviously that situation was incredibly. Uh, horrific bad situation and he definitely knew about it but i think he knew less about what was going on there than harbaugh knew what's going on with like blatant stealing and so now you start assigning like levels like uh pedophilia and child molestation certainly much worse than cheating at a game of football but it's the level of like the knowledge that was involved i think like joe pa really kind of got like crucified and his entire legacy was completely tainted and rightfully so because of you know what happened but you know harbaugh definitely knew a lot more about what was going on in his fucking program than what joe pa did and everyone's just like "Eh, who cares No no, no one gives a shit and in Harbaugh, I mean, he's literally holding a play calling sheet with the signs, with with the signs being, you know, translated on it. That like that, there's visual evidence of that. That's that was like I was like, all of this is a kill shot. But they like Harbaugh is literally holding a sheet that has the stolen signs on it. How does it not get more any more like? It, it's not like a stone cold who done it. The motherfucker's got the sheet with the stolen signs on it. I mean, like. It, it, I don't see how they don't solve that, but Michigan rips off. They, you know, they, they go all the way. They win these games. They, 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 they get champ. They go through this weak big 10 schedule. They face Mich- the Ohio state. They win that game as well. Now this kind of puts Ryan day uh, firmly in the, in the, I wouldn't say hot seat, but definitely starting to get warm here. And Jim Harbaugh works his way to the playoffs. They get this win over Saban and Alabama because of that, that overtime, bad play call it kind of falls apart on them i mean that team played great played lights out but i mean this was a this is the first time they'd ever been really been challenged the first time they really faced adversity and they were kind of pushed their backs up against the wall i think if milrow kind of got overplayed in my mind i think if alabama if this would have been last year's alabama team i think they would have i think they would have took care of business i think that inconsistent quarterback play is what what really helped them the most like I know we're going to get into a quote later from Penix where he talks about Michigan. Like when we, when I look at both those games, I look at at what point was Michigan really looked beatable. I, 
I think there was times early in the Ohio State game where I thought maybe they could get got. There were tons of times in the Alabama game where I was like, okay, they might, they might get yeah. got. There were just fleeting moments in the national championship game where I thought that that Washington had him. I always felt like Michigan was in total control of of that particular game. Unfortunately, yes. Um, so we 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 get to the playoffs. We we get to the national championship Monday night. So let's actually get into the game here. So final score. Uh, Washington Huskies 13, Michigan Wolverines 34. And we'll break this down uh, half by half. So we'll get to the first half first. So first quarter, Michigan gets up early, 14-3. We see a lot of inconsistent play. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot. I, I know you mentioned this in your text to me. We were kind of trying to text back and forth. They were, I don't know if it was, they were just letting them play or what was going on. There was a lot of, just right from the get-go, Mm-hmm. there was a lot of just letting them play there were a lot of there was a lot of holding there was a lot of physical contact that was allowed for that in that well let, letting one team play anyway <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> did, did, did you feel like that was from the jump or do you feel like that yeah. happened as the game progressed absolutely it was blatantly obvious like they okay granted i mean michigan uh, Sign stealing or not, as much as I hate that organization, an incredible offensive line, incredible stable of running backs, I'm not going to deny them that. Um, you know, just the, ripping off long runs like that was something that wouldn't be like out of the realm of possibility for them to do with those running backs and with that offensive line. But when they show the replay, and granted, like the the cliche statement is, "Oh, there's holding on every play." You're really going to call an every play? These were blatant, mm. obvious holds where the guys had the you know entire fistfuls of the jersey. The one guy's jersey got you know, like ripped from. <laughs> From the from the collar down to his armpit, like how does that happen if it's not being hold held? Like, man, well, I mean, man, definitely the holes. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. There was definitely that. Uh, but the line of scrimmage play just between between that that Washington offensive line. I mean, this was there ever a point that struck you? I think there was definitely a moment that struck me. And now I was gonna, I'm gonna really sound like a, a bitter Ducks fan here, but like, I feel like. DeBoer was out coached definitely in the second half. Like this is, this is definitely a tale of, of, of when you, when you have an NFL retread, this is why sometimes these NFL retreads work out so wonderfully because like DeBoer is not in the same class as Jim Harbaugh. Like he's just not as good a coach. He came back to the second half. They had no plan. I think in the, the second and the third quarters, I think like obviously the quarters that mattered were most that had the most impact on the game was the first quarter and the fourth quarter, obviously, right? That's mm-hmm. where Michigan did like all their scoring. The second and the third quarters, I actually thought that uh DeBoer kind of answered the bell pretty well. Like, I mean, it could have gotten out of hand right away. I mean, it was just way too easy for the skunk bears to score. They rip off those two long runs for touchdowns and you kind of think like, oh man, this is going to be a bloodbath. And then he kind of, he had his, his co-defensive coordinators kind of figure it out, start stacking the box, more focus on stopping the run. And they were doing that. They were making McCarthy have to beat them through the air, which I think Michigan felt really uncomfortable doing it. And that's when you started to see those three and outs because McCarthy was having an off game. He wasn't able to find targets. They were playing, uh, Washington was making plays in the passing, in the defensive passing game. I think, uh, yeah, like if he got out coached, it was, Definitely in those first and fourth quarters because I, I thought he actually kind of responded pretty well. Yeah, and, th- 
in that third quarter, I mean, Michigan comes out, they get that field goal, and then it feels like Michigan stalls out, like they're answering the bell for for Michigan before we get to the fourth. Like I'm almost thinking at that point, like mid third, where Washington comes back and they they score their own field goal. I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, there's so much on, there's so much time left on the clock for Penix. We saw this in both Oregon games. We saw this in the in the game where they kind of struggled against the Wildcats. They were able to come back and win that game. I was all, that there was a fleeting moment there in the third where I thought, okay, there's enough time here. Uh, Penix is going to get it together, and and he'll start. To, you know, this offense is going to start to click, and then it just seemed to to kind of fall apart. When we when we look at Penix in that game, what was your overall thought of, of Penix's performance in this particular game? Just really off, and then obviously, you know, he he got banged up towards the end and, you know, just I felt good for him for sticking it out, for knowing how much it like when, even though the game was already decided and even though they, they definitely were going to come back, he hung in for his, for his team and for his, you know, his fellow players and for his coaching staff and for the fans. Uh, and I, I thought that that was cool. And as much as I, <laughs> I don't want, I didn't want to have to root for Washington at all as a, you know, kind of like a, as a newly adopted, adopted, uh, Oregon Duck fan. Didn't want to have to root for Washington, but I kept saying all season long, Penix was a likable guy. I think because he, he didn't start out as a Washington Husky, you know, he was a late adoptee, but so I, I think that made it easier to kind of root for that guy. But what a baller, what a player kept battling even though he was getting shit kicked out of him and i was kind of wondering like what is DeBoer doing like this guy's just to let him go out here and be murdered at this point like at some point in time i think if you really care about the kid you step in and say like i know you're doing what you feel has to has to be done but you've got a potential nfl future that you need to think about like don't go out there and get yourself killed when we're already down you know three touchdowns with three minutes left like it's not it's not worth well, doing, but or or maybe roll him out or like the the one thing that I kind of stepped away from this game, especially with Penix, because I was last week I was hot on Penix. I'm like I liked how the way he played. This game I was not impressed. There were like I know there was there was a lot of holding uh, that Michigan got away with, but on the Washington side, oh, yeah. there was just wide open passes he didn't make. Mm-hmm. There was there was throwing off the back foot almost every single play. I know that. True. I almost kind of wonder. There's two thoughts here. I have a question for you, like. Almost felt to me like that after that first touchdown in the fourth, I was like, oh, this stage is too big for them. This is this is a, a real life top line college football defense, and they've never played against this this year. The, in fact, I think that the Pac-12 probably didn't do them any favors uh, when when you're seeing that kind of defensive line talent. It even I think. The Ducks, who gave them the biggest challenge, the biggest problem for the Ducks was the defensive line, that they couldn't get pressure on him. I, I don't think that they ever really, really effectively put him on his ass the way that Michigan did. There was a point that struck me. I was like, this stage seems a little too big for DeBoer, definitely. I'm going to stick with that. I, I I disagree. I think DeBoer definitely got outclassed. And it's it's no shame in that. I mean, this is a guy who's – this is his, what, his second year – in in major football and you're getting outclassed by a guy who's spent his entire what life from childhood to 
to college, yeah. to pro, to coaching college, or to coaching college, to coaching pro. Like, this is a guy who spent his entire life in football. There's, well, know, in front of a pedigree of po- coaches as well. Yeah. Like, his dad, he mentions, and also his, his brother's brother. coach. I mean, so, I mean, it's kind of, it's like, it's been around. See, I, I didn't really, like, this was much less egregious to me than, like, the Sonny Dykes versus Kirby Smart kind of thing. Like, okay. this was not, this was not TCU getting the ever-living shit kicked out of them. Like, Washington was still in this game very late. Like, I mean, if that first and fourth quarter didn't exist, like this is a completely different ballgame. And obviously that you have to encompass the entire entirety of the game. And the fourth quarter just kind of got like completely out of control because they were forcing things. And obviously you make some turnovers and some some bad things happen. And uh, the defense, you know, still couldn't kind of clamp down. But it, it was a one score game for, you know, between the second and the, in the third quarter. And it was. Uh, they were right in there. I didn't ever really feel like, I mean, because especially with those long runs for touchdowns, it started out like the way that first quarter started, it could have, they could have let it get completely out of hand. It could have very easily been like a TCU scenario where they just like got their doors blown off, but they hung in. And I, um, it didn't ever feel to your point, like Washington really had a, a legitimate shot at winning the game. It always kind of felt like Michigan was in control, but Washington was hanging around. It was never like a, Oh, well, you know, George has got the ball again. They're going to definitely score. Like how bad is this going to get? And TC, you can't even move it past midfield. Like Washington was uh, like a player two away plays that were there that were, I, uh, you know, I think the, uh, quote that you were alluding to about Penix was like that they beat themselves. And I think that's kind of legitimate. I mean, I, I think that that takes away some of the credit from Michigan and their offensive line and their ability with their running backs um, and, you know, Washington's lack of, of defense and stopping that. So I don't know that it's a hundred percent legitimate, but I mean, certainly like the play that you were talking about with him missing wide open receivers, those there were plays out there that could have been made that made that a completely different ball game. So. Well, yeah, that, that's, I mean, I, when I saw that quote, it's just about executing. I don't feel like they did it. That's the part that I don't want. Uh, like, I don't feel like they did anything. They, they definitely, in my mind, they outcoached you. They wanted the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I think that, that that's the most pressure they, that he's ever faced. It kind of makes me wonder. I, I saw on Kuiper's draft board, uh, uh, Penix plunging even further. And I think Kuiper was like, it, I, I think the, the comment there was like, Two ACL tears, uh, not setting his feet, terrible under pressure. Like this seems to be this game did not do him any favors, especially facing that pressure and kind of I'm not going to say folding up, but definitely feeling that pressure. This is I know we talked last week. Like this is this is a guy who can definitely read a defense. He goes to his second read. He goes to his third read. Probably better mm-hmm. than Caleb Williams, but For man, sure. but there was an. an I can only think of a handful of times we've seen Caleb Williams play in the past two years where he looked that flustered. Uh, I think the, the difference there was Caleb Williams was athletic enough to kind of get out in space, which is kind of fits with the, with the kind of new NFL model. Like, I don't know if this game did him any phase favors or if this really hurt his draft stock. Like he, I knew he was always going to have to be a guy who went to the combine and have to really put on like an uh, shout out to another uh, pack 12 uh, quarterback he'd have to really go pull like an achilles smith like go there mm-hmm. great measurables throw it out of the gym like uh, throw it out of the stadium like he'd have to be all world measurables in order for them to be like yep no he's we're gonna buy this i mean if he goes there and he doesn't have those measurables and this is the tape that people are going to focus on when he faces a like 
a, a NFL style defense, like this, this probably makes him go from third to sixth, right? Or do you still feel mm-hmm. like there's there's more upside than downside here? I still do. I mean, like the injuries are definitely a concern. I mean, this is a guy that's like you mentioned has had multiple surgeries. And so you're like, you're, it's already going to be a roll of the dice just to draft the guy in the first place because you don't know that he's going to stay healthy. He was obviously banged up coming into this game and certainly got more banged up as the game went on. But also, you know, uh, like his running back who was a, a Dylan Johnson wasn't a hundred percent either. And so if like you already have no running game because the guy that you're running out there isn't at a hundred percent. So like you're really hamstringing yourself uh, to begin with. And then if uh, Penix also wasn't a hundred percent and he's missing some of those throws that he doesn't normally miss. And if he is getting kind of rattled and flustered from all the pressure that it's, that's coming after him, it's going to be a, a kind of a long game. And so like, I think the final score ends up reflecting that. But again, this was a one score game. They had a very realistic possibility. They were right in there to, to make a play and it's a completely different thing. So I don't know that it's as bad as all that. Like people that just look at the final score of the game, be like, Oh yeah, it's another ass kicking. It wasn't like that. You know, that wasn't only until like the last six, seven minutes of the game where it just got completely spiraled, completely out of control. Now we saw what Georgia did to Florida State. And I think we, we all know that story. Florida State's, you know, all these opt outs. You, you got these kids not playing. If Georgia had played Washington, I, we're both in agreement. Like Georgia would have won, right? Georgia probably would have put more than thirty-four on them, right? Yes, definitely. If Georgia would clearly defeat Washington, Georgia, Michigan, how would that have been in your mind? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say because Georgia. Lost to Bama, Bama then lost to Michigan. So you like start playing that transitive game because there was even like I forget exactly who the player was, but the uh, Bama player that's now in the pros that says, "Oh yeah, Bama beats this Michigan team by 30. It's like you know they just <laughs> lost to them like last week, right? Like they actually t- they played that game and Alabama lost. Like <laughs> granted, it was an overtime and it was for, like because of a bullshit fourth down play call, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, you start playing that transitive game, and it's a a slippery slope kind of thing. I definitely think that Georgia beats, uh, destroys Washington, and I definitely think that they decisively beat Michigan. Well, I mean, I agree with you, too. Like, I I, I think Georgia would definitely take care of business. Like, I was shocked that the uh, the college football playoff committee let this game decide the national champion. Why didn't they just pick the best team? I mean, so if we're, we're in agreement, I think there's probably a lot of other analysts who are in agreement, like, Georgia is the best team. Like it's shocking that they didn't that they didn't rank out at two. Is is do you take put any stock into the the final AP poll or is this just we know who the champion is? So two through twenty five yeah, really don't matter. matter. Yeah. Now let me. I got to circle back around to Harbaugh because we played this clip at the beginning of the show, and it's so bizarre. Uh, uh, let me see if I still have that here. Yeah, I, I have that. I, let me let me replay this clip for you. So this is uh, this is Jim Harbaugh talking about you know finally getting he gets his moment of uh, so he gets his little moment. He's at his presser. He gets to enjoy his time, and and people ask him, you know, like, what's the benefit of this? How are you feeling? For me personally. I can now sit at the big person's table in the family. They won't keep me over there in the on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh. Hold on, I'm gonna play it again. Do you think like 
that they didn't sit with them because they don't like them. <laughs> that was the excuse. Like, no, 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 Jim, you, you can't sit over here. You, you don't have a championship yet. He's like, oh, if only, if only I had a championship, <laughs> yeah, I could sit with my dead brother. And his dad I, brother, I, I thank God, I hope he never wins. <laughs> it, it more likely to be like, you're still wearing your SpongeBob footy pajamas. You're smacking your milk. Uh, and you're talking about uh, how you don't want to eat chicken. Like, I <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Now sit at the big person's table in the family. They won't keep me over there in the on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a national championship, and my brother won a Super Bowl. So uh, it's good to be at the big person's table from now on. I got to ask you. So if if this kind of puts him on par with his dad, with his brother. Well, I don't, I don't think it puts him on par with his brother. Well, let's say it does. Puts him on par with his dad and his brother in his mind. He gets to sit at the big table. But for Jim Harbaugh, I mean, the interesting story here is is that there was the uh, the college football, the, the great work at San Diego State and uh, – or San Diego and then Stanford. And then mm-hmm. this great run in the pros, which was kind of marred by this – this constant bickering, which I, I love how this got, this completely gets memory hole, but this was a, a, a literal feud between coach and GM all three years with the San Francisco 49ers, where Harbaugh turned in a winning record every single year, had a uh, the, the famous Super Bowl against his brother. Um, he had this legendary fight with Trent Balky that almost came to, to, to an actual fist fight a couple times, never kind of got along with player personnel coaching decisions uh he always felt like he was kind of constantly being undermined by balky and the uh the san francisco 49ers organization never felt like he got the support now that he's received his vindication on the college football level i mean putting aside that it's harbaugh that he's a michigan guy if this was any other coach and we know that he's won his title for his alma mater and we know that his his past is one his past professional life is marred by the loss and how he felt betrayed. Like he, if he stays or not, like he's next year, he still has unfinished business in the NFL, right? Yeah. I think he certainly thinks that he does. I mean, and if he's talking, he's making a joke about the, the big people table or whatever. It's like, I think in his mind, the Super Bowl is going to be the one that he's going to want to get from, his brother. I mean, especially having like played or, or having coached in and lost to his brother in a mm-hmm. Super Bowl, he's gonna certainly like even if he goes back to the NFL and wins a Super Bowl, unless he wins a Super Bowl against his brother, <laughs> I don't think that that it's uh it's that he's gonna feel in his mind that he's got that vindication. And so I think uh, I don't know. I, my hope is for the sake of college football that he also bolts bolts to the NFL. Probably to the bolts would be a fitting kind of thing to go to the Chargers. So that would be kind of funny. Um, well, it's kind of interesting. We saw the we saw the right before the championship game. The the odds in in sports books across the country went from plus two hundred to to minus two hundred uh, mm-hmm. immediately. And th- there were all these rumors. The the interesting thing here is like, I wonder if knowing that his prior experience. I'm going to ask you this more than I'd ask Jared is because I, I know you're not like super, super NFL fan, but just knowing Jim Harbaugh, knowing his prior experience, like there's no way he's going to want to go somewhere and have somebody looking over his shoulder. Right. I mean, the, the problem with the chargers would be 
the Spanos family and they're constant, just like the Bidwells with the Cardinals and some other teams, like it would be that have these crazy owners. They're always going to want to kind of stick their finger in, in what the person's doing. Like Jerry Jones, there's all kinds of NFL owners who are going to want to have a say. There's also the Raiders, which, which would be kind of interesting because you, you, but you still have Mark Davis who wants to put his finger right. in the pie, but he, Mark Davis has been famous. He gave up that control for Gruden before Gruden got fired. He's, you have this player kind of not revolt yet, but you have this player idea that they'd rather have Antonio, which I think is the most ridiculous thing of all time. Uh, Antonio Pierce is, is it's, 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 it would be the, the dumbest interim to head coach ever, ever in my opinion, but just, in your opinion, if he does go to the NFL, like he needs full control, right? Or is he going to be able to go somewhere and work in concert with the GM? Or is he the kind of guy who, now that he's proved it, like all the naysayers have to pay? Uh, hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I think that his ego and certainly how things worked out in the past, like the examples that you use about how he famously doesn't get along with GMs anyway, I think that kind of lends a precedence that he would want to go somewhere where he had full control or at least more control. But he's also used to kind of dealing in the college world where you have to answer ultimately to an athletic director or and a, a chancellor in some cases or a university president or whatever. Like there's always some kind of just levels of, of uh, you know, just stuff that you have to follow. And so I, I think he's, kind of proved maybe to himself that he could win with that. And maybe he thinks it's another like paying the dues kind of thing. He goes to an organization and maybe he'd be willing to put up with that kind of stuff for the first year. But then he's like, maybe he even kind of structures the the contract because he's already had his agent put in, you know, stuff about where it's like, I can talk to the NFL whenever I want, you know? So I think he'll deal with his agent to kind of talk to them about putting in language that it says like, okay, well, if I go, you know, 10 and seven or better in my first season, we, you know, we have to have a, a conversation about me getting more control. And certainly if I'm like 12 and five, or if I make the playoffs or if I win a, a wild card game, or certainly if it, you know, it depends. I'm sure he would structure it to a level like where he gets more and more control, depending on how he does in that first season. I think that that would be okay with him doing. See, I, I look at all the openings right now. Well, the Seattle one kind of, shocks the hell out of me because that that that's a team that has no baggage whatsoever like chargers you have spanos uh raiders you have al davis um denver's kind of tied up with sean payton so you're you're kind of stuck there uh the falcons is is open um that might be an interesting one um that that ownership group is has has history of being hands-off however they do usually like a GM Seattle is one that where they, they gave Pete Carroll full control in the past. I don't know if he would kind of fit there. There is the idea that his wife is originally from Las Vegas. That by, might be a natural fit, but I wanted to get your idea, not just on the NFL rumors, but what about this idea that, that the only reason why he wants to flirt with these NFL teams is to twist the knife on the Michigan administrators and boosters who punished him three years <laughs> ago. So we remember we talked about this last week, like his history was that he could not beat Ohio state. And after mm-hmm. that, that third loss, there was the, the forcibly restructuring. So he had to give money back. He was taking away control over who he could hire as assistants. That's how kind of he got saddled with, with Weiss. These were not guys he didn't like, but they, they were not his first choices. They 
usually it's like you can kind of suggest who you want, but you don't get to hire your friends. And usually right. if you have all the stroke in the world, you can get it. You're like, I, this is how you can get like, Hey, I won't, I'm going to, uh, what's the guy's name from, uh, uh, Texas A&M, uh, uh, and who went to the university of Arizona. You can be like, Oh, you can be, or you can be, you can be, if you, oh, someone, you, yeah, someone? you can be like, I'm going to, I'm going to hire someone as DC. And they're like, Hey, wait a minute. Didn't he just get fired? Isn't he like a problematic person? You're like, Hey, this is my boy. I make mean, sure he's got a job. Like you can pull that if you got that much stroke. But there is this idea that that the only reason why he's doing this that he will come back, but is just to keep punishing them for for how if you believe rumors they that he described it as being emasculated by the Michigan administration. In, in your mind, is, does he strike you as like that petty that he would? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt. Even, I, I, mean, <laughs> I can definitely see that being a thing. Oh, because okay, well, hey, him losing all those games and never getting over the hump, and like all the talk about him, like kind of being shit canned or whatever, and they've decided to keep him and roll the dice and do the restructuring. That's when the whole kind of stallions things starts, mm-hmm. right? That's when all the the, the cheating comes into play. And uh, now all of a sudden now they've got one over on, and now they can't lose to Ohio state and now they can't lose to anybody else. And now they're just like this dominating force that really were, we're meant to believe that he just naturally got better kind of overnight and just all the things started to click into place. I mean, I, I mean, I guess like he, he did kind of turn around Stanford. Like, so he does have a pedigree as a coach. Like you said, when he was in the NFL where it is hard to win, he did have a winning record in all those seasons. Like, I'm not going to say that the guy is not, that he doesn't have credibility or that he's not a good coach just in, oh, he's in a, his own right. Yeah. But to be, to go from middling to then dominating, it's, blatantly obvious that something was going on like the, the cheating so yeah I, I yeah it's hard not to especially when you when when that's that's where it changed right like if it had been like he got over the ohio state hump and then and then connor stallions joined the staff it'd be like okay no he proved he can do it without it like he hasn't really proved he can do it without it like i wonder in his mind if there's still more more work to be done if he there's anything he needs to prove i always i was on the record last week saying like well He's going to say like, well, now he's done everything. There's a lot of seniors on that team. Uh, my next question is about next year, but let me just finish this idea on, on Harbaugh leaving. Like, we know there's going to be huge turnover. They 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 did great in recruiting, not only in the transfer portal, um, but in their high school recruiting, they did excellent. It kind of just kind of school kind of recruits itself, but still excellent work. If he were to leave, and that job opens up. Do you feel like if you're in Michigan administrators, do you feel like you had to go out and make another splashy hire? Or do you just get like, do you bring up Sharon? Do you just mm-hmm. kind of like, just keep the even keel, try to build on the success? I mean, even if he stays, like they're going to have to take a step back, right? There were just too many seniors on this team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you lose a good portion of that offensive line, certainly. And then, you know, Blake Corum, obviously a huge guy to lose. McCarthy, I guess, still has eligibility, but he's probably gone. And it's not like he's this all world peace anyway but i mean that's i mean uh, they've got the dual threat quarterback in orgy who actually played a couple of plays in the national championship game so i mean i think they would certainly still be a talented team kind of like a, a force in the big 10 but i mean without harbaugh's coaching without uh, without cheating uh and without you know a lot of those pieces there's no way that they repeat and uh, I, I don't think that there's <laughs> 
Ohio State is already what three and a half point favorites for the November 2024 <laughs> game. Like that came out like what seconds after uh, Michigan just won the national championship, and they're saying like for next season Ohio State is already favored. And so that kind of goes to show you that, and that doesn't even take into account like who's going to be coaching. But I, I think if it's Michigan. Uh, the players seem to respond well to Sharon Moore. And I, I think, you know, they would still have a, a pretty good foundation as an offense by keeping him. I think, the, you know, some of the recruits certainly that they have coming in and, and other guys that have a relationship with him would be a good start. I mean, my hope would be that Harbaugh leaves and that they think that they have to make some other kind of splashy hire and they go out and get somebody else. And maybe some of those incoming recruits or, or transfers don't really want to jive with. And so they leave and Michigan, you know, kind of hits the skids for a number of seasons. I would, I would love to see that personally, but uh, no, I don't know. You know. I mean, being, being fair, I think that uh, Sharon Moore would be a, a pretty decent hire and, and they wouldn't really lose that much. Now, my last question in Washington is when, when we think about next year and we think about Oregon and Washington coming over there to the, to the Big Ten, and we saw that, we saw that war on the line of scrimmage pretty much being lost. Are Oregon and Washington in for like a rude awakening when they play Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan? Like, is this going to be rough for them to make this transition? It, I mean, forget about scheduling and traveling, just the the simple fact of the kind of style of football that's being played. Or do you think that's going to kind of toughen them up? The kind of like metal sharpens metal kind of idea where playing that regular season, getting those years against those teams, they're going to be able to adjust or are they going to really struggle in this in this new world of the Big Ten? I don't think so. I, I think that the Big Ten is uh, it's definitely changing. I mean, Michigan is kind of like more of the old school throwback, like they're you know the the three yards in the cloud of dust kind of thing from you know back in the heyday of the Big Ten. But most of the Big Ten has kind of moved away from that. It, it, the sport, just in general, is more of a passing, you know, high octane kind of get the ball downfield kind of thing. Michigan relying on an offensive line and a ground game is definitely a throwback. And so I think, I don't think that the, the new uh, big 10 schools coming in are going to be really have that much of a culture shock. Yeah. ESPN released their way too early top 25, just hours after the, the national championship, they have Georgia one, Texas two, Oregon three. I think it's way too high for Oregon, but Oregon three, Alabama four. And now that, that, I mean, the, the Saban news totally could change this, but Ohio State at five, Michigan at six, all the way down at six. Then we got Ole Miss, Mizzou, University of Arizona at nine, and then you guys at, at Notre Dame at 10. I mean, and then Washington's not even it, it down to 11, which I think is extremely way too high. When we look at next year, especially with the conference shakeup, I can, in my mind, I can definitely see Georgia be near the top of the heap. If I was to rank them all right now, it's it's way, way too early to rank anything, but if you, you need to at least have the hype of a spring ball before you start crowning <laughs> people national champions, don't you? I mean, I mean that's what me and on three think. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every other uh, site, though, has their way too early predictions or their top 25 for 2024. They're all out there, and there's – are already what betting lines for sure on multiple sites for um you know who's favored for the national championship i don't know how anyone can see like okay georgia obviously they still have the majority of the pieces you know beck is still going to be there but bowers is going to be gone but there's you know kirby smart is still 
still coaching them and, and they always, you know, have a really high uh, recruiting class and get a bunch of transfer portals. So, so obviously Georgia is going to be a really good team, but looking at their schedule, man, that's a, that's a murderer's row. Like mm-hmm. if they get out of that schedule with less than two losses uh, or well, I mean, yeah, well, less than three losses, I think then I, I looked at that schedule and I was like, how are they going to navigate this? And why is no one looking at this? And why are so many people thinking that Georgia is going to uh, be the favorite to win the national championship next season? I, I don't know. I didn't see it. I, I definitely I, could see Bama over Georgia, you know, if Saban was still around. Yeah. If Saban was still there, I would, I would be pretty high on that team. I think that definitely changes things for me. Like, I'll go first. Like I was gonna say, who who do you have as your way, way, way too early champion for for next year? I look at that ranking. I think Oregon's ranked way too high. I think there's, I think he, that I think the quarterback issue is going to be a big problem there. I love the recruiting that they did. Uh, that I this that game really scared me about the Big Ten. But I, like I'm picturing Michigan and Ohio State. But really, I mean, you, you get Rutgers, you get Indiana. I mean, there's. You, you get Iowa. There's a lot of tune-ups before you get to the, the hard stuff, but still, I, I don't know if I'm I'm sold on them, and I still have tons of questions about Dan Lanning. I don't know how that would work. Well, he, he might not be there. He might be the new Bama coach. Good. Give, then, me, give, <laughs> give me the number to... <laughs> give me Chip Kelly. Chip on Kelly. Can you imagine... Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I mean, I would hope, I guess, for your sake, that Chip Kelly, if he did go back to Oregon, would be able to recapture some of that magic. Because now, as a you know, a, a burgeoning kind of Oregon Duck fan myself, by virtue of being friends with you and doing the show, uh, would like to see them have some success. But can you imagine Chip Kelly going up against an uh, Dan Lanning-led Alabama team for the national championship, Ugh. and then Dan Lanning wins a natty for Bama against Oregon. Can you fucking imagine? Like, what would you say then? Like, that would. What, well, the, what, <laughs> the, the problem with the Bama thing is like, gosh, that that, that Saban thing is is so monumental because without him there, in my mind, like Dabo and, and Kiffin are, are Kiffin's buyout is pretty reasonable. And if there's one guy who would pack up everything like right now, like put all the shit in his car and and, and (laughs) and head down there and head to Tuscaloosa, it would be him. And I don't know if they like the culture fit. Dabo would, would be a great fit. I don't know if that would be a great fit right now. It might be kind of his buyout is relatively, uh, relatively cheap. Brian Kelly's buyout is really, really relatively cheap. Um, I don't think he's. I I was kind of amazed even that he got that they had so much faith in him at LSU, honestly. But I, I definitely don't see him making the jump. That's why I was kind of amazed at the the bring up for Lanning and some of the younger coaches like Freeman. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of honored that kind of shows like you know what a, an impact he is having on the sport that you know that, that to be thought of so highly, but. Is he ready for Alabama job? And is Lanning ready for Alabama? Like I, I don't think so. Like those names, I could kind of see Kiffin, you know, who's mm-hmm. never really been able to do it, but he's like kind of got the coaching pedigree that he's just like, okay, well, with a team 
like Bama and with, you know, a culture and a focus. So being on football, maybe this is going to be, you know, what it takes to finally get over the hump. Dabo Sweeney makes the most sense to me because he's an Alabama alum who like that. Plus he's like really disenfranchised with Clemson and with that whole scenario. Like I, I would think that if they, if Tuscaloosa were to call him, he just like you said about Kiffin, like he would be in an, uh, on the next, uh, trained out for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to pull up his buyout here. I know it's, it's relatively under $10 million for Lane Kiffin. I, I feel like he would be into it. I feel like Dabo would be into it. Like if you could pick who you'd want, I think w- with the modern day NIL, with the modern day, you know, just the, the way the game is now where we're headed, especially with the SEC expanding, you need someone who's not only going to be able to recruit a coach, uh, in my mind, you need an offensive mind, like no doubt. Uh, it's already shown that that loss to Michigan showed that you can't. You're gonna need you're gonna need an offensive mind there because it's obviously keeping the current staff ain't gonna work. Like that guy has got to get fired today. Like as Sabian's packing up his boxes, they should just tell Tommy Reese, like you know what, you, you can just pack your shit too, bro. You just. <laughs> don't you don't have to wait if i'm tommy reese like don't you just like aren't you like looking at zillow right now (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully he didn't make the really dumb decision to buy uh property hopefully he's just renting because he should have known that that wasn't uh gonna be in short term you know either for the good or bad like even if it was good you know he just kind of uses alabama as a stepping stone to go to like a a head coaching gig in the mac or the Sun Belt or something and or as the bad he kind of should have figured like you know he'd be the the scapegoat that was going to get run out of town and blamed for everything so uh if he had if he was really putting that notre dame degree it's a good use he would uh, he would have not uh invested in real estate he would (laughs) yeah he's a guy he's definitely done i just yeah, it's it's really tough there. I, I that kind of sets the whole it sets up another chaos situation here in the offseason. It just it's you're wondering who's going to take that job. You can't really interim anyone. There's always I, I love to throw out this name anytime there's a big time. Urban Meyer is always there. Oh Urban Meyer has coached in the SEC before. Uh he's an offensive mind. He would he's gonna recruit like hell. Like he would probably be a terror there. For sure, <laughs> but they need a ride or die guy, and I don't know if he's really physically up to. to yeah, I don't know how like what his investment level is. I mean, I kind of thought like with all the talk of you know him stepping away from Ohio State the first time, like for him to end up in Jacksonville was weird, and then you know the, obviously that flamed out famously, and then he ends up on TV. It's like wasn't this guy like kind of like dying supposedly because <laughs> because of all the stress was getting to him and there was health issues like why is he not taking but he a step away his, he spent time with his family already that's all done that time is over now <laughs> well, yeah they i think they kind of realized that they didn't want it they're like we like your money but we're know that we know that you're a philandering shitbag so we don't want you around any more than possible <laughs> so tuscaloosa man great talent there i I feel like he'd be good there that that job really really kind of shakes up everything and then if if you have alabama losing their head coach and you have michigan losing their head coach i feel like that's the impetus at michigan to just be like hey let's just promote somebody within let's just try to keep everything on an even keel because if you're if you're going to go out there's these are two blue bloods that could possibly have an opening right now and 
not only that, I mean, the, the the NFL jobs that are open right now, really attractive, a ton of money. Tennessee's opening, Tennessee has opened up, Rabel got fired. Um, I know he's going to end up in one of those other NFL jobs. And you, Bill Belichick, is it, it, the, the finalization of that per message boards is, is starting to wrap up. So you're going to have new, you're going to have, if you're, if you're a college coach, if you're Harbaugh, you really get your pick of the litter here. There's really no reason to stay, which I'm really trying to say is like, Jim Harbaugh should leave. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope. But I mean, so I was just thinking like, what? If, <laughs> wouldn't the ultimate screwball thing, uh, just a very Harbaugh thing to do? Because kind of like the, the two schools of thought are like, he either stays at Michigan because like to your point earlier about the pettiness, about wanting to, to kind of really rub it in that organization's face some more, or he goes to the NFL, right? What if he were to go to Alabama? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine that? What like Harpaw's just like, you yeah, screw it. I'm sticking in college, but I'm going to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> oh my God. I can you, can you imagine that? Like, see, there's something to be said there about Alabama, about like a cultural fit. Like there's something to be said about Dabo would come in there and he's going to like, he would play, he would play like the next Saban perfectly. Like he would be, he would act the same way, maybe just a little bit more Christy. Like it makes sense. Like Drinkowitz makes sense. Like Mike Norvell almost makes sense because he would play ball. The problem with like Lane Kiffin or Jim Harbaugh, there's so much personality there that that's a that's a program that's never really had to rely on that to sell itself. It's always been about tradition. And now you got like a, a guy with his dog. Like it just <laughs> it doesn't feel like them. But this is a whole new this is a whole new world of college football. Like this next year really, really freaks me out, especially with the death of the PAC 12, the expansion of the SEC. Like it's hard to really read the tea leaves, what's going to happen. And the Saban thing, just totally mm-hmm. another, it was another left field cliche sports uh, talk take. This really overturns the apple card. <laughs> in college football. <laughs> like it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen or where we're going to be at. Like the dust has definitely got to settle in the off season. Right. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's kind of been certainly for content, you know, if, if, if we're not really looking to go into uh, the off season without a fight, being dragged, kicking and screaming <laughs> to talk about the NBA or whatever. NHL, then, you know, if there's a, a lot of turmoil and stuff going on on the coaching carousel, that would be kind of fun talking points. I think Dabo, you know, like he's famously very anti NIL and transfer portal kind of stuff. I mean, what place recruits just by name recognition and success than Alabama? Like, I think that kind of fits not only because he is an alumnus, but he could kind of go there and just be able to focus on just the regular recruiting stuff. I think. Like, oh yeah. They're, they're going to take everything off his plate. If he goes to Bama, it, it, they, the system's already in place. All he's going to do there is go there, coach, do his PR thing, not be so rigid. Drinkowitz would make a perfect fit there. Actually. Like the more I think about Drinkowitz, the more I think like culturally, he's not so weird about the NIL. He's very much a player's coach when you when you read the stories about him. Dabo for for being a championship caliber coach, 
kind of does make sense, right? I mean, Saban had a championship before he got there. They, they're probably going to want to want that. You're right. This is going to be a this, this might be a never ending college football off season. <laughs> Not for us, but I think in in our tacos and in our stories, like I, I feel like there's so much more that needs to get laid out before we can even think about 2024. But putting a pin on 2023. Um, wasn't there one other question? No, no. I think that was it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Maze Man. I'm sorry. I should have asked this earlier. Uh, Maze Man challenged us because he said he, he knew we were going to be going after Michigan today. He knew how we felt because he listens to the show every single week. And he challenged us to say one nice thing about Jim Harbaugh or the University of Michigan. Eric, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I think you should probably go first. Okay. <laughs> I will go first. I can't. It's hard to take Michigan, the whole entire fan base, and say something because every Michigan fan I've met has been terrible. I will say this about Jim Harbaugh. For I'll say two nice things about Jim Harbaugh. One, he's he's X's and O coach. He's excellent. For he's proven that he can build programs. Uh, for all the damage that was done there by Rich Rod and uh, Brady Hoke, and for I mean. Not so much, yeah, not so much leaving the shelves bare, but man, just a culture of of giving up on what their tradition was, just like totally turning their back on going from blue blood to just like gross. Like, and there's it takes a long time to get out of that. You could you could die in that spot. You could you could you could become Nebraska. That's that's the deepest darkest fear is that you go from blue blood to basically trailer trash. Where and it's in in, in the fact that you were a blue blood is just a joke. It's like it's like the Minnesota Gophers. It goes from being a joke, a joke, a joke until the joke's not funny anymore. And then it's just a footnote in history. So I'll give him that, that he, no matter what happens, he resurrected that program for better or worse. And he, he didn't win a national title. I do think it's going to get vacated, but uh, he is a very good coach. And, and for as weird as he is and as odd as he is, he does love college football. He's genuinely passionate about it. And, uh, so that's two compliments. So in the, in the compliment burger, I will give him another compliment, but I, I, I would be kind of negative would be, uh, for a, a guy who calls himself a Christian and who espouses that, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I like that. I think all people who really follow the faith are supposed to, when given a platform to say it, you should, maybe you shouldn't say crazy things like Jesus is a five, <laughs> like that's a weirdness, but, but for for a guy who's uh, supposedly a Christian, I, I, that's a good thing in my mind. I just wish that he would, if he really is that, then I really wish he would like take a moment to reflect. And I don't know if he'll ever say it publicly. I think this will be one of those things that happens years after the fact. But if there was just some self awareness of of kind of the the scandals and and the the spectacle he's created there because i i think that they could have him as a coach and them as a program i i don't think they ever needed those shortcuts i think he would have eventually got the better of ryan day i i I don't think they needed to go through all that to do this that's what's really that's the most disappointing thing about the sign stealing scandal to me is it's not like it's not like he's james franklin he was never that Mm. he's he proved it in at, at san diego and stanford and his nfl time yeah. He's a winner. He would have turned around that program and there there would have been the emasculation of, of the administration taking away his power and taking away his some of his money. But 
this this was a shortcut and 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 if he really is of the faith then then he should know that the, that there's you can't take short shortcuts like that hurt your integrity in the long run and and i hope that if he really is that that i hope at one point he checks in between chasing his yard chickens and and just <laughs> find some kind of moment of reflection because this this year does not look good for them in, in the long run this is going to be more of a black eye to michigan than than it, it Overall, never to them, but to the rest of the world, this will be a black eye to the rest of the, to, to Michigan. This isn't the crowning achievement that he thinks it is, and that's pride. That's the yeah. that's the sin of pride. So that's two nice things and kind of a pseudo nice thing. Do you have a nice thing, Eric? You don't no. have to make the compliment to Amber. No, no definitely okay. not. Not not a damn chance. They can go fuck themselves. I have a very long winded. <laughs> Reason that I was actually going to use if you, you know, you were talking about the initial reaction to, to the title. And, uh, I, so I have my response, which I think kind of fits perfectly for here. Okay, and, a, a final word on the title. And my, my apologies because, uh, it's another soapbox kind of rant uh, that, uh, listeners have either come to love or hate or be indifferent to. I don't know, but, uh, uh, there's no real way of saying it. Uh, that's going to be taken seriously because no doubt it's just going to sound like sour grapes because of my, you know, hatred and loathing of Michigan. But honestly, like even with my inherent bias aside, allowing them to play in this game, let alone to take home the trophy just proves that it's fine in this sport and in this organization to cheat. Like not only in a game with holding on every play, which won't get called on offense or defense, but then you cheap shot guys, you late hit them out of bounds, and then you shake your head like it was a bad call as if it wasn't three seconds after the whistle or five yards out of bounds. But also big picture that you can hire guys on staff to not just scout, but outright record and then steal calls to know exactly what they're running. It's not gamesmanship. It's not a competitive advantage. You can't spin it in any way that you want to spin it like that. It's outright cheating and being fucking scumbags. I will not respect nor acknowledge that they are champions of any kind. An asterisk is not even good enough. This should be stripped entirely along with every win while Stallions was affiliated with the program and they should get the death, death penalty even worse than SMU. I'm talking scholarship stripped, a postseason ban for as long as Harbaugh is affiliated with the program. And then assuming that he would naturally leave at the very least four seasons and I know that I'll get flack for bringing it up and making a reference to Notre Dame here, uh, but fuck it. That's what I do. Listeners should be used to it by now. And so it just kind of goes to show how idiotic and unfair that this entire situation is. Notre Dame had an academic quote unquote scandal of their own where a tutor did work for two football players. Those players were then suspended. The school self-reported to the NCAA and then had two seasons worth of wins vacated. One of which was the 2012 season where they went 12 and 0 ended up losing to Alabama in the national championship game self-reported. Then they lost 21 victories from their total for two kids cheating at school at academics. Wow. Most of these, most of these teams don't even have their players fucking go to school. And now Michigan is cheating at the sport itself on the field, not in the classroom. Definitely doesn't self-report. Actually goes out of the way to hide it and to burn and destroy evidence. And they're allowed to play and win a national a national championship. What the fuck? 
And this is not even mentioning that sexual impropriety of the university doctor that they paid millions of. I kind of touched on it earlier. Millions of dollars in restitution to thousands of victims that were affected by this shit. Burn that whole motherfucking shithole institution to the ground. I, I cannot say a good word about them. I cannot. No. Sorry, Maze Man. I'm happy that you're a listener, but you should know that there was no way that I was going to give it any kind of credence to this at all. Oh, that, uh, that's why I was going to give him two because I was like, I better cover him because I know, I know Eric's not going to give him anything. Yeah. Hey, you're right. And none of you, none of what you said was wrong. This is, this is kind of what they've sowed. And this is the, uh, this is the kind of program they made themselves out to be. And it's there, there's always been dirty programs, but I don't think there's ever been a dirty program that's been so, arrogantly confident that everyone else is wrong and they're right in the, in the history of college football in Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justified in their terrible, terrible, terrible actions. Um, well, it, it, there's no good segue for this, but I have to, because the news is, <laughs> is coming across my desk, but uh, yeah, I want to get your reaction to it. Dan Lanning is the number one target for the Alabama job per Action Sports Network and uh, McMurphy. I, McMurphy, let me read the tweet exactly. So we, I, I'm making sure this is this is proper. Brett McMurphy from Action Sports Network. He tweeted, "Alabama's Nick Saban is retiring." Sources told Action Network headquarters, first reported by Clow ESPN, Oregon's Dan Lanning expected to be top target to replace Saban. Source told Action Network headquarters. This has also been confirmed by. Let me see. There's one other. Kanzano uh, is also saying that he's hearing talk of Dan Lanning being in Kanzano though. Kanzano is like the ultimate Pacific Northwest troll from the Oregonian. So whatever, whatever crazy thing one person says, that's his two sources. He'll say that too. <laughs> so I wouldn't take too much stock in Kanzano being your secondary source, but yeah, Dan Lanning, you mentioned it. And I kind of like, I joke, get, get uh, Chip Kelly on the phone. I, now I really regret saying that. Like, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I kind of like uh, with a program like Alabama and with that kind of opportunity, that's why as much you know grief as I gave Tommy Reese, like, can you really slack the guy off for taking that job and going there to be able to coach under Saban to make that much money to coach for Alabama to have a, uh, a perennial chance to play or and win a national championship. You can't really fault the guy. So, I mean, Landing, I mean, what an opportunity that would be for him, but it would also suck at least because, you know, I didn't have the negative feelings about him that you did. I, I thought that he was doing good things for an Oregon Duck program that I became, you know, like a, a fan of that organization while he was the head coach of that team. And so it would suck for for me personally to see that. I mean, it makes sense for him, not only from an opportunity standpoint, but also, you know, he was an assistant coach in Georgia. So he knows the sec. He knows that uh, like that recruiting ground. Uh, it just, it makes all the sense in the world, but I hate it. Like I, I, I don't want him. I don't want to see him leave Oregon. Well, it, it would be that that would be Taggart, Cristobal land. Like Jesus, like, is the Oregon job cursed? <laughs> like, 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 at some point, like, like, gosh, I, I joke Chip Kelly, but I think you'd have to, you'd have to, uh, you'd have to uh, bring up the OC, the the guy they got from UTSA. I, I don't know. Like, they've thrown so much money at Lanning. I, I don't see how, if the guy is loyal and all that shit he talked about, like this and that. If it's true, then then yeah. I'd like to see that in this coaching cycle. Because if not, then all that stuff is horseshit. 
I'm still not sold on landing, but like to lose three coaches in, in so quick succession, that would be a real, that would be a real tough thing to climb going into the big 10, knowing that you, you basically lost your head coach and for sure, you know, yeah. with, with the portal, like half those, like a good portion of those guys are going to be right out the door. The moment they know they can go to Alabama. Oh my God. That, that would, that, that would suck really bad. Um, it's just well, like, is- it's, I understand what you're saying. Like, I mean, he, he's talked a good game thus far about like uh, other opportunities, but none of those opportunities have been Bama. Like he, even as much shit as I've given, you know, Bama and, and my talk about like, you know, my disdain for them. Like if someone called me up today and be like, you got a, you got an assistant gig at Alabama, I'd be like, all right, fucking right. I'll be, I'll right. be right down. Like what an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, all those guys say that stuff though. Like it, like that never really, like all these pledges of loyalty. Like we, we all, well, I know most of our listeners, very few listen outside of the country. We all work in this country. Like we all know, like our employers would, would, you know, tie us to some railroad tracks if it was more profitable <laughs> and they'd find another us in a second. So when the tables turn, who can blame anyone in this country for being like, fuck yeah. Now I go, now I'm going to go get the bag now <laughs> and I'm going to go, I'm going to get a better situation, more money, more prestige. These whole pledges of loyalty are always nonsense. Even, even when it's an alumnus, because all it takes is Jim Harbaugh. All it takes is NFL to come calling. Hey, come here. You'll have all the power, all the money. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm a Michigan man, but I got to go. I have to, have to move on with right. the next chapter well, of my life. And I don't want to give any kind of like credibility or like play devil's advocate on behalf of Harbaugh, but I mean, at least that's, that's somewhat different in my mind. Like that's what I don't understand is guys like uh, what's his fit. Johnson, Jonathan Smith that left Oregon state to go to Michigan state because he was an alumnus of Oregon state. Like mm-hmm. in my mind, that should be your dream gig. Like once you, achieve it like ultimately like we're probably eventually gonna lose marcus freeman to ohio state that's his alma mater like i mean that's that just makes sense and that's something that it sucks but i mean you could actually see that happening or to the nfl obviously Mm -hmm. If, if you are a guy that's already at your alma mater why are you going anywhere else like obviously you had love for that school that you went there, you graduated from it. Now you had the opportunity to coach them. They're paying you money to do this. Why are you leaving for anything else? Even if it is Alabama, like I, that's why ultimately it makes sense for me for Dabo. Dabo is a, a tied alumnus. It would make sense for him to leave Clemson to go to Alabama because that should, you know, in my mind be his ultimate destination. I really don't understand like, going somewhere other than your alma mater like where do you go if not from alabama like the only place i guess technically up is the nfl but i mean i think you could argue like is is coaching the cleveland browns really better you know even if it's an nfl gig than than coaching the alabama crimson tide i don't think so Uh, you you don't want vrabel sloppy seconds in tennessee (laughs) 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 or 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 the Falcons go there and, and basically get trashed every week. 
it's well let's end on on one positive note here my last topic was here i we had a a, a listener who wrote in they were like what was your favorite moment of the uh, 2023 season so we'll get to the shivies next week so the shivies will be all fun so i promise it will not be you, you know who should have been for here for this jake would have been perfect for this he loves this. he loves this. like if the cowboy junkies could write a song <laughs> How about this terrible, terrible college football season? <laughs> I think he would yeah, be right up his alley. <laughs> this is definitely the like the, the hooker that uh, that ODs in the the trailer park parking lot for sure. This is because the because the paramedics sold all the the the, the shots. Like, yeah, he sold all the Narcan on the black market. Yeah, just <laughs> give me a dirge. Give me a dirgey female voice. Give me a really heavy guitar. There you go. Boom. That's alternative country <laughs> in a nutshell. Just just tempt your just just get the suicide hotline on uh, on your phone because you're gonna need it because that's where we're going with the song. But Eric, what would you say was your favorite moment from this season? Uh, and it can well, be off the field, on the field. It can be a play that happened. It could be a game result, or it could be just anything randomly related to college football in the 2023 season. Okay. Well, from like a Notre Dame standpoint, it was kicking the shit out of USC. Um, from oh, just that was a, good. Yeah. Um, just a, a, this is going to sound cheesy and it's going to sound like pandering, but I've been mean, like no hyperbole. It was being more invested in college football by virtue of doing this show with you on a weekly basis. It's just a, it's great to have, you know, these two, three hour plus conversations with you, with my buddy talking about college football. It's just, uh, it's phenomenal. I love uh, writing and developing you know, content for the show and just uh, laughing. I look forward to Wednesdays, which are our recorded days and, you know, watching football and, and, just to be able to talk about it. It's uh so, I mean, I, I know that kind of maybe sound like a, a cheap ass lame uh, pandering uh, answer, but I mean, that's it. My favorite moment uh, of the college football season was just being able to, to talk about college football with you. So, Oh, thank you. Wow. That's nice. I, that's really nice. That's a very good compliment. Uh, I, I'm just going to say same. No, uh, <laughs> Yeah, all all of mine were related to the Pac-12. I think, uh, and it all started off with uh, I I am a college football news junkie, and then to uh, to be on vacation, wow, the Pac-12 burned <laughs> was, was uh, it was kind of a fun thing because I, I I knew I was like I'm here in Chicago, I'm enjoying the the company of my good friend. And I'm like I'm like yeah, this is probably all gonna burn. That's totally fine. <laughs> like I'm like I'll just pick this up. I'll be able to look at the chart remains afterwards. Like it. That it was it was nice not to be so in the news cycle because I know it would have been right like there like minute by minute like the Michigan thing kind of grabbed my attention and then the other the other Pac-12 kind of moment this year was uh, at the title game in Vegas uh, as crazy as it sounds when they had all the mascots together one last time just made me think about the Pac-12 and the Pac-10 and just how. Like this was our conference. This is as someone who grew up on the West Coast, who has an affinity for all things West Coast to see this was our conference. The one thing that was very uniquely West Coast in basketball and football and all sports was like when people thought Pac-10, Pac-12, they thought of the West Coast. And there was this, sure, there was the, you know, no no one watches our games because they're on too late. But then there was Pac-12 after dark. And then, you know, there was the disrespect that because no one ever really gave us a shot. And there was always one team that rose above it. Then there was always the, these 11 teams could kind of, we could gather around the hate of USC and Los Angeles in general, which is definitely like a West Coast thing. 
So to see all the mascots together one last time in Vegas, and I know everyone will be back together for the Pac-12 basketball tournament, both men's and women's, but it's so lightly at- attended, even when there are really good teams. It's, it's It'll never be quite like the Pac-12 title game where it was like, this was West Coast football, and now it's totally done. And we were we were all undone by our un, our own undoing and our own situation and money and all these external factors just ripped apart West Coast mm-hmm. college football, it seems. But it's good that we got one last shot at it. And I was praying that it would be Oregon getting destroyed in a title game rather than Washington. But because <laughs> as, a, as a Pac-12 fan who's not USC, you don't expect to go to title games. If you do, you expect to get your head kicked in by Ohio State or whoever, but to know that like we might have been able to go out one last time with with a with a championship would have been it, it really would have meant more if that game would have been in a if that would have been a Rose Bowl that would have been a really fitting end. But there's been so many Rose Bowls, uh, so many great things at the Pac-12. It was bitter, but it was also sweet too. And it'll be great in the basketball season because it'll be another moment, but not like that in Vegas to see all the Pac-12 teams together one last time and it'll never be the same. And it'll, even when the, when USC and UCLA announced that they were going to leave, I knew it was never going to be the same. But now that we've had all conference realignment, all these coaching changes that are going to happen, all this stuff up in the air. Yeah, this is, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's, it's going to be a very crazy upcoming season. It's a sport I love, but I, it's one that it's, in the NFL, you always know what next year is going to bring. And there's always worst to first. There's always like this could happen. But there's never a situation in the NFL where, okay, well, four teams might not exist anymore. Or, you know, like they, these might move it. Forget about <laughs> yeah. it. Don't, don't name the city. Don't, you don't even need to name the city anymore. Just call it the Giants. Who knows where they're <laughs> going to land? It's just, it's a weird. Well, I mean, this, like the equivalent would be like the NFC West would now be the AFC South. You know, it's like, <laughs> Or like half of those teams would go there. Like, and, I mean, that's kind of the wholesale changes that we're seeing in college football that you just would be unheard of in the, in the pros. Somehow I feel like the Cardinals would be the Oregon State or the Washington State. <laughs> they, like, hey, wait a minute. We have an agreement with some AFL, with some uh, with some arena teams, and we can play some games. <laughs> we're, we're still in this thing. Please, please. You know, we're an original franchise. We we belong. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you do. Sure, sure. <laughs> Chicago, yeah, no one believes it. Yeah, no, yeah, that that was the best moment. Um, yeah, I, I think next week is we're, we're going to have a lot more fun. We're going to have the shibbies. Uh, we got our whole award show. We're going to be going over all the great categories, uh, best college football name, best college football moment, best rivalry. This year, it's going to be best rivalry on the field and off the field. Because oh, we, boy. We, we got some heavyweights. We got Ric Flair versus Paul Feinbaum. And then, of course, Lou Holtz and Ryan Day. I, I, I got to tell you, that one probably leads in the clubhouse right now. But uh, things can change between now and then. But third annual shibbies our last celebration of 2023 college football season before we get into the off season. So make sure you are tuning in next week. Um, and then I just want a quick postscript here, right? Cause I know I really thought we were going to run short and here we are right, <laughs> filling all our time. Uh, I don't think it's any surprise. Every time we've done a bowl pick them, Eric's done better than me. <laughs> I, I get way too, I got way too enamored with uh, Penn state and some big 10 teams there at the very end. Uh, Eric finished with 26 and 17, really, really good bowl picking record. I finished at 19 and 20. 
my nfl picking record is way better believe and, <laughs> and i claim i'm a better i'm more knowledge about college football but obviously the picture I, I i picked syracuse i picked ucf i picked where did where did i go wrong i picked the new mexico state i picked the we both went wrong on the 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 Mustangs. We both went wrong on the. I picked the Sooners over the Wildcats. That was probably a homer pick. The bucket, the the Buckeyes, the tie, the Mini Lions. Uh, yeah, all came back to bite me in the ass. And then my my pick of Longhorns winning the national title also didn't do me any favors. So thank God for that. Well, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. know what would have been worse. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, but I I guess the the good part is that we did get to keep. Are, and then maybe we can even use it as our closing sound because we got to keep our sound bite. I'm trying to think. I'm like, I know I load it here because I, I always load it. Um, did I not really load it? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. How did I load that one? <laughs> this is the way we talk in Tucson, Arizona. That's an important one. but no. That is a very, very, very important one. Let me get you your... Uh, cause I, I do have a final closing one I want to play here. So let me give you a little. That's it. Not this time. You're wrong. We're back. No, we got you. When Texas wins tonight. No way. Against the mighty SEC. No way. Texas is back. This one was invented by a writer. That's another good thing. We saved that. That 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 was saved from from extinction. So that's that's very good. Very true. Yeah, that's another great moment to your point. Very, it, it, very, very true. It's like it's like polar bears. So we, we should just enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> until they're all drowned in the ocean. Oh my god, that's sad. Uh, since we're really just bringing it home here at the end. But as we wrap up the show, I want to mention Ship Token. Can't go wrong there. Ship Token Web 3.0. Don't miss the boat on Ship. Don't miss the boat on cryptocurrency. Uh, people will say Bitcoins came and went. People will say uh, Dogecoin went and went. Uh, they'll say cryptocurrency was a fad. They'll say it's NFTs. These are just fly-by-night things. I'm telling you, decentralized currency is here to stay. People said the same thing about blogs. You go back further, people said the same thing about the internet. If you go back further than that, people said the same thing about the automobile. Don't be left on the wrong side of history. Don't buy it. Don't buy Shiba Inu. Just go do your own research at Ship Token. And I am, I, I do get the emailers who are like, yeah. Here goes a conspiracy theorist, but do your own research. I haven't thought of a different way to phrase that, but do your own investigation. No, screw it. Do your own research. Go to at ship token. You'll find links to the discord, the Twitter, uh, the, the information page where you can find out more information about web 3.0 cryptocurrency, how you can get involved. Uh, shit is very, very affordable right now. You can buy in very cheap buy hold wait till it moons and you'll be one of the ones who was on the right side of history when everyone else was scared to get involved you were plunging forward into the future also while you're on twitter make sure you're following us at eblmrk eblmrk and look for hashtag ems201 we're going to have the uh the santa song from or the christmas song from uh santa paws movie uh we're going to have all our tacos are going to be in there um we're going to have um I'm, we're going to announce the winner because I have a great gift for for whoever picks what's regularly watching uh, uh, this week. So make sure you're looking for that. All that will be under EMS 201. Today, I want to thank uh, Jared of Feathers and Friends, who's going to be with me t- tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be recording tomorrow. That episode will be out Friday. First thing, 
So we will be recording. We will be recording at a regular time. We'll be releasing on our Friday time in preparation for NFL wildcard weekend. If you are a college football fan, football's over, but it doesn't have to be over. You can get now is the best time to watch the NFL. You don't have to worry about any of the, the regular season is done. There's no Cardinals. There's no garbage teams. There's no Titans. There's all its NFL wall-to-wall playoff action this week. And we'll be breaking down all the wild card weekend games for you. There are some shockers. There's the most dangerous team in the NFL right now, the Buffalo Bills. We're going to break down all the action, all the games for wild card weekend. Make sure you're joining us on Friday. So that episode will be available Friday at 12.01. So listen time any on Friday. Check out this episode on Thursday. Be back with us the very next day, and we will set you up for Wild Card Weekend. If you've missed the whole entire NFL season, totally fine. You can pick it up when it matters most. Follow us from the Wild Card Weekend all the way to the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking, I think we're as we get closer to the Super Bowl, I think uh, a listener has kind of bugged me about this. I think SEC super user were, were trading emails about this. There, there might be a mock my world. This is about oh. the time when we usually do this. So we're going to be taking you from the wild card weekend all the way to the Super Bowl. So make sure you're following along. Make sure you're checking out the Friday show. And I also want to thank today's co-host, Eric, who's always wonderful. Uh, nice enough to host me this year in his home. Let me stay in his basement. Let me hang out with him. Let me walk with his dogs. Uh, <laughs> and always a fun and joy to be with every single Wednesday night when we record. Even when we have breaking news that changes our entire episode, Eric, Tell them where they can get more of you and tell them a little bit about File Under Entertainment. Uh, yes, thank you. I mean, you said it, you say it every single week. And again, I'm just you know so honored to be a part of the show and just so appreciative that you always do take so much time out of your show to talk about my show, which is File Under Entertainment. Uh, you're a frequent guest on that. I mean, a, a whole season worth of movies, a whole second season worth of music, which Mark guested frequently. Jared's always on there. And uh, another upcoming season, All About Movies, of which Mark will guest frequently. So if you like more of the the off-topic, uh, not-so-much-sport-centric kind of like pop-culture-focused things, like uh, in-depth movie breakdowns, you're going to get that more with Mark on File and Entertainment in this upcoming season. So, yeah, available on all platforms. Please check it out. Yeah, there, there were a lot of you guys that emailed, and they were like, they loved to ask Mark anything. They, they, they really appreciated it. Eric, it is great job at questions. I, I, I'm hoping Eric keeps track of the questions. We did get two new ones. We're saving them. We'll have another uh, Ask Mark Anything in the future, probably maybe next month. And uh, hopefully Eric will come back and host again. Uh, love the guys. Happy love the feedback that you got. People were, were really interested. The the one thing that that the questions that we got, a lot of them were, were comments. A lot of people don't believe the porn thing. Uh, a lot of people were interested in the 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 mark at black knight at the at the tempe improv and how that worked out <laughs> which there are a lot of funny stories about that uh there was a question about monkey pants and the alternative comedy scene i didn't realize that so many of you would be fixated on stand-up comedy and porno but i guess that kind of <laughs> they go hand so, in hand <laughs> I, I guess they do so please 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 so uh it will we'll, we'll hand, hand in pants <laughs> monkey pants in porno <laughs> it just it fits like a glove but uh <laughs> i really really appreciate everyone who who listened to both of those episodes and you're if those of you with the complaint like why don't you do more of that why don't you just do that why can't you just talk you can find me in my terrible opinions and you can find eric his excellent hosting work over on file entertainment so if you're a file entertainment virgin you've never checked it out before 
go check out if you, if you like ask mark anything then you'll love the musical journey one start there open it up then join eric's musical journey and then if you're the kind of person who can put up with with jared check out Jared's <laughs> musical journey and then you can check out all the other musical journeys and check out regular episodes as well <laughs> if your complaint is why don't you do more of that there is more of that but it's on a different feed at file entertainment so please guys i encourage you to go check that out if you're needing more additional content and as we check as we leave today uh i just want to set us up for our last clip so um we we opened up the show with the shocking news that that Nick Saban is retiring uh, uh, officially right now. That job is wide open. So uh, I myself will be throwing my hat in the ring. I have a a, a modified air raid that I, I'd like to talk to the administration about. But uh, I'll, no I'll one, come be your OC for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Eric's definitely gonna be my OC. <laughs> I think I I think I, yeah, it definitely would make you the OC. You no, know, maybe you probably want to make some decisions. So I'd probably make you the defensive. <laughs> <laughs> there's a i like bruce arians can, cannot concede my play calling i've mean, you ever you ever done the two-player madden before where like where one if you're the second player you don't get it you don't get a call to play so you got to be the other you, you like you don't get even started at the quarterback you just start as a running back or a wide receiver like okay <laughs> i could not not call my own play so yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I, I hope you're a four. You know, what? I'm going to leave it to you. If you want to be a four six guy or a four three or a three four, I, I'll turn the total defensive philosophy over to you. I don't even care about defensive football because I'm a Pac-12 guy, true to my core. So <laughs> we're going to run the nickel on every single. <laughs> you can literally. Single hey, hey, Aliota ran dime for for all of Oregon's basic <laughs> national title run, and no one even batted an eye. The guy ran dime. <laughs> Dime on first down against running teams. And he was like, I was like, we have so many defensive. Why would someone run dime? But yeah, I'm, I'm a dime in the Pac 12 guy. So yeah, you, you have full control, full autonomy of the defense. You can recruit who you Sweet. want. You okay. can run whatever you want. Uh, just know that I'm going to be passing the ball about 55, 60 times a game. So prepare Love to it. really get screwed over in field position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there's no one better. Nick Saban, and as he walks out the door, uh, I think the best was the pregame speech right before the SEC title game uh, in the locker room with his guys. Uh, this is a team that got was down on the luck all year long. They needed to win against this game against Georgia, totally overmatched. Uh, talking Heads had them counted out. Uh, Vegas had them counted out. But there was one man who truly believed, who was on the front of that team, who pointed it as a sign of disrespect and that they had to go out and get theirs. A man who never, never got surpassed by time, never got surpassed by the trends and what worked in college football. The one and only Nick Saban. So until next time, be ungovernable, be uncompromising, but most importantly, be kind. Here is the best pregame speech ever. Thank you, Coach Saban. Look, guys, this game is all about what we do. It's all about us just like it's been all year long. All right, so you've got to focus and not get the external factors have any factor on how you focus in this game. You want to focus on the things that have made us good all year long, which is discipline to execute and do your job, play with relentless effort and toughness for 60 minutes in the game, no matter what the circumstance in the game is, and an intensity that they can't match. Now, you guys talk about respect all the time. 
Like Kirby says, we ain't what we used to be. Well, by God, I want to prove something different. I don't want to see a smile on that face after the game. And the other thing is, is the ultimate disrespect is when somebody takes what's yours. And this is our game. It's our time. And here's the guys trying to take it from us. So that makes the shit personal. So let's don't be denied what we want. Let's go relentless effort for 60 minutes. Dominate on three. One, two, three. Dominate.